get it going. It's time to get up. Remember back in the lottery in 04, I just missed on Sidney Crosby. Well, now I got Sidney Crosby. Good to be here. These guys are here to break it all down. Jim Benning did a terrible job. The team was trending in a great direction. That's my team. They drafted me. They gave me an opportunity. And he let that whole... I would say he let all of Canada down because all, all Canada, we want to see a Stanley Cup come back to Canada. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Quit clowning around. It's on. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Wednesday, February the 10th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Zabolski here. Harry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Supposed to be some snow in the forecast today as well there, Pear. A little dusting here in the city, which I'll say this, snow is never a bad thing, provided you don't have to drive anywhere. Uh, it was bad the last couple of days. It's been icy here. Shout out to the producer of the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet, the hockey producer, TV side. Greg Shannon, who I saw posted, and it might have been a couple of days ago, a shot from his downtown apartment at 2 o'clock two days ago where it looked like the snow was coming down, and then it was at 2 o'clock, put the time capsule in there, and then showed a picture at 5 o'clock, the sun coming through, and said, whew, survived another Vancouver winter. Uh, yeah, it's been great. Like Honestly, I think we're going to get the text coming in from, from Calgary and Saskatchewan right now as we go, Ugh. Yeah, shut the yeah, front whatever. door. Uh, yeah, shut up. I don't mind it for a couple of days. It it felt like uh, yesterday. Yesterday was a breath, right? There's no Canucks hockey. You just go, okay. Let's let's focus on, and, and we'll get into it on the disastrous day in this industry. But okay, everyone needs to get away from everything. Get away from the Canucks. Nothing happening today. They get on the ice. Figure it out. And everybody, you heard Brent Sopel. That was the voice in the opening, going, "Ah, all right. Exactly. What are we dealing with here right now?" So. February is going to disappear, buddy, in a hurry. <laughs> Feels like it's already been a very long month as it is, and it's oh. the shortest month of the year. Uh, Ed Jovanovski is going to join us in an hour from now as Jovokov joins us each and every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. We'll also talk to Stanley Cup winner uh, Ken Priestley. Uh, boy, his former Pittsburgh Penguins uh, making some news yesterday, hiring Brian Burke as the president of Hockey Ops. So we've just lost our 7 a.m. guest on Thursday mornings. We need to fill now as uh, Brian's got a, a new gig uh, as Ron Hextall takes over as general manager. Anthony Stewart will join us on our uh, Canucks commute from Hockey Night in Canada. And actually, in about 10 minutes from now, we'll be joined by uh, Jody Shelley, uh, former NHL tough guy turned analyst for the Columbus Blue Jackets as uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois made his debut against the Flames last night and Patrick Laine already benched in Columbus. So we'll talk about the torts dynamic coming up uh, there with Jody yeah. Shelley. But Perry, can you touched on a minute. Can we pull the 45 clips we have of Burke on this show over the last two years saying he's done with hockey? No, I'm a media guy now. I, no, I don't, no, no interest. I've done it all. I, no need to get back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't think that anybody saw that one coming, and and yet you know I'm happy for it. like I've had I've had a lot of friends. It's funny they they listen to to Berkey regularly, um, and they uh, how many times you know Berkey should, you know bring Berkey back here, you know how how good would Brian Burke have been as a buffer for Jim Benning here in this market, right? Mm-hmm. I mean Trevor Linden was technically that guy up until about three years ago, and, and Trevor left, but. Man, oh man! You know somebody like Brian here in this market. I, I think you know obviously Berkey and and the Aquilini. <laughs> the relationship not exactly very. Not exactly no, but but man, 
what Brian could do and offer in this market, it would have helped Jim Benning probably immensely along the way here over the last, what, seven years we're talking about, or at least the last three years here. How about now? Right, Just to have somebody who just can handle the media game and deal with that a little bit better than how Jim Benning has tried to navigate it. And he's just not naturally comfortable in that role. And that's understandable. Some people just aren't. But to have that sort of buffer, man, I feel like that would have helped a long way during Jim Benning's time these last three years. Well, I mean, go back to that day that shocked us when all of a sudden Trevor Linden's gone. And you're thinking, what name, what hockey person will come in there and, and be kind of the front man and, and work directly with ownership and go, okay, I'll deal with this. You just build the hockey team. And to never essentially fill that void, you know, you see what Pittsburgh does. Okay, Ronnie, you're going to build it. Berkey, you're our guy who apparently was just a sounding board in all the interview process. And then the Penguins came to him and said, you know what? This, like, you're pretty good here. Do you want to leave TV? Nothing that Berkey was really thinking of. And then all of a sudden, 48 hours later, here, I'm gone. So good for Brian. Uh, hopefully at some point we'll have him on. But now that he's back in management, uh, it's likely screw the media and he won't accept any phone calls from us anymore. You know, Terry Silkowski sucked tonight. <laughs> there you go. And that is exactly why Berkey being honest with everything. Can, can we just say this? Um, and we'll get into this more coming up at the bottom of the hour. But based on what we've seen in the last 24 hours here and how a lot of our colleagues and friends, for that matter, have been impacted. And I say this to all of our listeners here this morning. The whole notion that when you go on social media and throw a hashtag fire Benning or fire so-and-so, fire this, you know, it's easy enough to do that from a keyboard or from our smartphones, but there are also people's lives that are impacted. And we saw how ugly our business can be yesterday. So maybe instead of just the fire Benning and that sort of notion, if you're done with Jim Benning, that's fine. But Jim Benning also did some good things in this market too, right? If you're wearing an Elias Pettersson jersey, guess what? That's on Benning's watch. If you're wearing a Quinn Hughes jersey, that's on Benning's watch. How about if you're wanting to turn the page? How about keep it to a thank you, Jim, as opposed to a fire Benning and what that does to, that's people's lives. That's real people, right? And I get we're all frustrated here in this market wanting to see, but man, I don't know. I just feel like after what we saw the last 24 hours in our world pair, I think it's just a reminder, let's be better. Let's be better than what some people got yesterday. I here It's tough because... You're dealing in sports. You're dealing with coaches who are hired to be fired, players who make a living and then are traded. And I always, having been around it for so long, you feel compelled to get to know these guys and go, okay, so what are you doing with the family? Who's moving where? And people will go with the, ah, you know what? They make millions of dollars. That's true. Um, what happened in the last 24 hours, and you and I will get into it at 6.30, we've both lived in and, and worked for that company. I, I worked in that building for 17 years. Everyone in there is not our competition. They're our friends. You and I were on the phone texting and talking to everybody over there yesterday. Um, to put what you do into a job and then all of a sudden have it taken away. Yeah, we're not millionaires doing this job. We have a passion for it. And for someone to tell you what you do and if you excel at it, it really doesn't make a difference. It is gutting. 
It has been. Uh, when I lost my job, my daughter found out via social media. And you yeah. go, really? Because I, I got to find a job. And she's going, what happened, Dad? It, it, it is, it's amazing what has happened, how callous it was, uh, how cold it was. And, you know, I, last night, I'm sure with you, James, was just a, such a difficult day. And, and we're working this morning. And you never know what trains are coming around the track here. It's great business. And it's incredible. But I don't know if there's anything more cruel than what I've seen. I'll say this. I've been in this for over 20 years, well over 20 years. I don't know if I've ever been to a retirement party. It just doesn't happen in the world of sports broadcasting. Not often. No, not often. I, it's pretty much like a unicorn sort of moment these days. That That's for sure. It was, yeah, it was sad yesterday. It really was. I, I got more to say on this coming up in, in a few minutes, but man, you know, I... I worked at 1040 at one time. I was the morning show host. Anybody who's old enough to remember about 20 years ago, I hosted with Bill Courage, Lee Powell, the Beast, John Connors. I was there for a good year when that station first launched. A lot of memories on Homer and, and Robson you know, running off in a commercial break trying to go grab a smoothie. <laughs> you know, uh, the that's boat dedication. Somebody nearly drove. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that sort of dedication that I brought over here 20 years later. Um, yeah. Hey, look, we're, we're going to get to Jody Shelley here in a minute. We're going to head down to Columbus. But Elliot Friedman was on this uh, radio station yesterday afternoon, Pair. And uh, he he had some interesting comments and observations about where things sit right now for the Vancouver Canucks and the disconnect that is quite obvious, not just here in this market, but for a lot of people across the hockey landscape, this team doesn't look right. Here's Friedman on the program with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah yesterday. JT Miller last year, he came and he changed your team for the better. Like his energy was so positive and 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 he he had such a positive impact on the Vancouver Canucks. And this year, like it's it's just gone. Like he's not himself. And I don't like I'm not just saying like it's like Miller's dragging them down, but whatever but all the positive energy they had around them last year, it's gone. And I think the question I've really thought about is what's happened? How did we get from point A to point B? And I don't know if there's like, maybe it's that Markstrom and, and Tanev are gone. I'm sure that's part of it, but that shouldn't be the case still 16 games into your next season. Like you have to move on. And, you know, so there's something wrong there. Like every former player I work with, Every former player I talk to, like they look at that team and they say, there's something going on in there that is wrong and it's thrown everything off. And the Holtby thing on Saturday night was the flashpoint because he never does that. Like, I know I said it on air that night that that's not the Holtby I know. Like there was after the broadcast that there were more people saying, they were stunned that Holtby did that because it's just not his way. Hmm. And, you know, part of me wonders if, you know, with Green not being in, not being extended, I, there's, I got, I just kind of wonder if it's just put the whole thing in a bad position because he's in a spot where the players see him as like, 
okay, all these players were in the last year, last year, and now they're gone. And now he's in the last year. He's going to be gone. Like, I do wonder if that's created in Canada. I think in particular, it's really hard to have a coach in the last year. There's uh, Elliot Friedman suggesting that maybe Travis Green's flux in the organization right now may play a part, Pair, but the JT Miller effect, it is crazy. I don't know. I can't think of somebody who has gone from such uh, a darling in this market to such a villain in, what, in a five-month span, four months? Yeah, but I, I don't know if JT Miller is the villain. JT Miller may be the barometer where you read and go, what's what's missing? And, and he came into a room where you had the strong personality of Markstrom, where you had, a, a you know, the quiet and strong Tanif. And so he goes, excellent, man. Maybe I don't have to be a leader here. Those guys if here, they've been here for a while. What can I do? Oh, you're going to give me a great center like that? I'll bring it in. I, I do agree with Elliot. If you're in that room, if you go, okay, so Tanif wasn't here. Tyler's not here. Joe Jacob's not here. Hang on. They haven't even signed you, coach. You're not coming. Well, Sutter, you're gone. So are you looking around that room and going, really? What's this season all about? It's a short season. It's a crazy year. And the guys that I'm playing with, I don't even know who's coming back next year. If you don't trust your organization and your ownership and your management, you kind of wonder, well, if you're not believing in us, maybe we won't. And I guess we'll wait till September. I do think there is some big mental hiccup that's going on with this team. I wouldn't say it's JT Miller. But maybe that trickle down effect is there. Like you can't just go, well, it's money. We don't want to. We don't want to sign Travis. The economics and all that are there. I understand you're not bringing in revenue, but if you don't think this coach has been terrific with this team, then make a decision now or show the players that hey, he's our leader. Everything he says, let's do it and let's get out of this slump. But you got to wonder what the conversation is when you lose and you're hanging out together. And Sutter's going, no, I'm not here next year, boys. They're not paying for anybody. And others look around going, yeah, I mean, how long is this lasting? Uh, and that's manifesting itself on the ice right now. Well, you know what? They've, they've obviously moped a little too long, whatever the case, because, you know, now you find yourself four games below 500. Uh, you've got an uphill battle. You've got a Flames team that's rolling in, coming off a big win last night over the Jets, who now leapfrog the Canucks. Um, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a massive mountain to climb here if this team's going to try to dig themselves out of it and be a playoff team. And I don't know if there's any signs that point in the direction that this team can overcome it based on the body of work we've seen through. You know, after tomorrow night, pair, they'll have played more than 30% of the season. Like, that's a, that's a good chunk of the year. You're, you're almost at the third mark. Not, not, not 20%, not a quarter of the season. You're almost a third of the season of the way through here, but they go every other night against the Flames, so there's some days to practice. You're at home here. On the fourth game, you go to Calgary for one day. It's a puddle jumper of a flight by NHL standards, or at least by the Canucks standards, so I don't know if there's any excuses about being tired. You know, here you go. It's a level playing field with the Calgary Flames. You just had two days off. And let's see. 15 minutes after 6 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. I'd like to say hello to some of our new listeners, people texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Thanks for hanging out. He's Perry Selkowski. I'm James Sabalski. And we head to Columbus here this morning and catch up with a guy who was somebody you didn't want to run into or get onto their bad side on the ice. He wouldn't turn green, but he still had a badass look about him. Jody Shelley, who is now the kinder, gentler version, but maybe the most truculent analyst you'll find in the broadcast world these days for the 
the Columbus Blue Jackets. How's that for a build-up, Mr. Shelley? Happy belated birthday, wow. by the way. Oh, well, thank you so much. You know what? That is very kind of you. And, you know, I was never really that mean guy anyways. But, you know, I I played my role, and uh, it, it brought me to some good places. <laughs> it certainly did. Joe, Jody, he does the same intro to Louis DeBrusque when he comes on. We're just talking. Yeah, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Let's let's dive hey. in about the 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 torts dynamic here. Um, Pierre Luc Dubois makes his debut last night uh, for the Jets, and meanwhile, two nights earlier, it's Patrick Laine kind of getting acclimated with, I guess, the 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 laws of torts who already benched. Is there a point where players kind of go, this this isn't fun to be here, you know? And maybe an, an indicative of why guys aren't sticking around, Jody. You know what? I hate to connect those dots. I, I really don't think so. I just think that, you know, you hear a little bit of, oh, there's always something going on in Columbus. But, you know, Torch is a guy that, as you guys know very well, um, he's a guy that's going to hold guys accountable. It's not a great look all the time. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, but I don't think that that's a reason for players to leave. You know, I think players want to be in a, in a winning environment. I think players want to be treated well, and I think they want to see good people around them. And I think the Blue Jackets have done a good job of that the last four years. And Torch is awfully proud of what's he, the impact he's had in the locker room and what he's brought to that locker room. So he's trying to build. Uh, there's some great stories to talk about out of the last, what, 60 days? Yeah, boy, it's been, uh, it's been some interesting conversations and, and some, some interesting days at the rink. Um, but, no, I don't think that's any reason for a player not to be here. I think when players really look and talk and listen and, and hear about John Tortorella, um, you know, it takes a certain player to play for him, I think, a player that uh, maybe wants to understand what he's doing. And I say that, and I mean, everyone. I think everyone's got it in them. I just think that uh, you, you don't maybe don't realize how great it is for you at the time, but you always look back. And I think that a few players have gone through that and appreciate him. But we sure love him here in, in Columbus. And, and the Dubois situation – um, you know, that was strange in the fact that he wanted out. And I don't know why he really wanted out deep down, uh, but hopefully he's in a good place. And for the Blue Jackets picking up line A, um, hopefully that's just a bump in the road that we'll look back at uh, him being benched and say, yeah, I was, uh, I was, remember when that happened? Yeah, look at him now. <laughs> How important is it, and, and I don't know, and you may not, especially in this new COVID world where you don't get into dressing rooms, that the leadership group would explain to a Patrick Liney who sits on the bench and is not playing four games in, going, really, am I benched? For the leadership group to say, hey, FYI, here's how Torch works it. Or do you think Torch goes one-on-one? Patrick, here's why you didn't play. Let's hash it out in the office, and tomorrow's a new day. Love you, kid. We'll see you then. Well, listen, you know, it dawned on me last night when I watched Dubois, you know, playing the Calgary Flames uh, in the West. Bigger players, he's third line. He's watching Wheeler and those guys go out there. It's fast. It's big. It's different. When you get to a new team, it's it's pretty overwhelming. It's like you feel like you're a step behind in everything you're doing. Uh, and that takes a while to catch up to. So, so when I look at Line A and I look at the situation he's in right now, I just wonder what, you know, there, there's a lot there. And for him to be benched early like that, like that's just like another like lump in your throat for, for a player. So I think it's critical, man. It, it's so important. I remember, you know, when I went to New York, I got traded there and you're in New York with the Rangers and we got Callahan and Drury and 
you know, sometimes when, you know, as a new player, you kind of have that blank stare and you're like, like, where do we go? What are we doing? Like, why is this meeting? You know, everything happens really fast. And I remember Torts is always, there was one meeting in particular where Henrik Lundqvist was late. And if you're not five minutes early for Torts, you're late. The door's closed. So Henrik's trying to come in. Torts says, no, 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 you're out. You're late. It's four minutes before the meeting gets out. So Henrik is standing outside the door. And after the meeting, I'm like, holy cow. And they're like, and, you know, they explained to me, like, this is how it is. You know, it's just accountability. It's a little detail. But try to be at least six minutes uh, before a meeting starts so that doesn't happen to you. So it's critical that those veterans kind of slow you the way and explain things that happen and why they happen. Jody Shelley here on Sportsnet 650. Torts is in the final year of his deal. Um. Is this a is this a show me year for Torts? I mean, he's got results. Like this team's been in the playoffs the last few years, and man, I just feel like all that momentum that was developed in that 2019 sweep of the of the Lightning yeah. feels like it's kind of disappeared there, Joe. Like, is this a show me year for Torts here? You know what? I don't think Torts is in show me mode for anything. I think he's been around for almost 50 years coaching hockey. You know, 40 something years. It's it's been a good run for John Tortorella. I think he's at a stage of trying to understand the young athlete, um, trying to do things differently, but also still being himself. And I don't think he's out to prove anything or looking for anything new. I think he takes it one day at a time. I know he enjoys his, his time away from the rink with his wife, Chris. They rescue horses and dogs. That They're really passionate, and you can tell when he talks about it how much he loves it. I think it's up to Torch. That's my personal opinion. I think it's up to what Torch wants to do. Now, maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe I'm so wrong on that. It'd be, you know, whatever. But I'm fine with that. Because I look at Torch, I understand him a little bit, uh, and, and I just think that he's at that. And he said before, he said three years, three years ago, um, whoever gets this team next is going to have success. And he's also said, I'm on the back nine. So that doesn't speak to me of a guy who's, you know, waking up every day thinking he has to go prove something. I think he's here to... He's got some challenges that he loves, and I think he enjoys that part of it. Columbus Blue Jackets analyst Jody Shelley joining Perry Solkowski, James Bossy this morning. You've been around the league for an awful long time, played over 600 games, been a broadcaster for a long time. I know you don't see the Vancouver Canucks in person, but you, you just said you were watching Winnipeg, obviously in Calgary, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Give us your take as a guy who watched the bubble, saw where the Vancouver Canucks looked to be going last year after the playoffs as to where they are right now from the outside. What do you see? Uh, my only question is why Markstrom left. I, I don't know. That's why. And I don't know enough about it, but to me, that changes everything. And, and you know, I, I, the dynamic of a locker room, um, I think that's a guy you can't let go. And that's my simple observation. I sit down to watch them. And I, they just look, um, you know, when, when you let a piece go and, and you're in a locker room, you don't know why it, it rocks you on your heels as a group a bit. And he was, a, I thought he was a, a cornerstone there. And now you watch him doing great things in Calgary. I don't get it. That's my opinion. Yeah. It seems like, do we sometimes as a group here from a broadcast standpoint or a media standpoint, Jody, do we underestimate the sanctity and the dynamic, the chemistry and the inner workings of a room? Yes. I think we all do at times. I don't think it's like our, our fault because we're on the outside. Um, but I think we all like the shiny new car, the shiny new toy, uh, the big signing. You know, go ask Nashville about Duchesne. You know, go, go ask if they love that eight years locked in at a big, big number. Um, that's yeah. not the way it is. 
and, and it changes the, the dynamic of a room. That's a personality that says a lot and doesn't do a lot. And, you know, that, that needs to, it needs to be something where it's the most important thing. I had a great conversation with one of my best friends yesterday in hockey, Ryan Cloak, longtime player. He, he understands the game so well. And we mm-hmm. talked about how simple it is, and, and I just thought on a friendly level, that the dynamic of the room and what one move does to the, to the morale or the chemistry or the respect level of certain things. It's not about, I love how Chara didn't make the rookies uh, feel separated in Boston. I think that's very, very mature and a, and a progressive way to do it. I just love that. And I think that that's important, that the inclusion but it has to be a certain way. And I think that sometimes you don't like it a certain way. It doesn't matter where you're in life. But when it is a certain way, you appreciate it. Because when it's not, it, it really stinks. It really stinks when everyone can do whatever they want. So I think we do, uh, we do forget how critical that is specifically. It's like that Cinderella song, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, right? The old hairband song, right? It's, hey, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's you know it. Crank that one up. I, I, see? Could have played that for your birthday. Uh, thanks, Jody. Yeah. Uh, nice to thanks, catch Jody. up with you, sir. Hey, anytime, guys. My pleasure. Have a great day. Yeah, you as well. There he is. Uh, Jordy, Jody Shelley, uh, analyst for the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, weighing in. And Pair, uh, I, I think it's had a huge impact. And this is uh, something that Satyar Shah was talking about yesterday on the program with Andrew Walker as well, just in terms of what the offseason – in terms of the actual personnel moves, did mentally to the core of this team that still remained. And this team doesn't seem to have recovered from it. You know, we mentioned Berkey, and, and Jovel will join us as he always does at 7 o'clock, Ed Jovanoski. And, and Bertuzzi's on, and they always talk about, you know, Berkey was such a good GM, and Berkey tells all those stories. But you know what? He knew his players. He knew about their world, their families. Jim Benning doesn't strike me as that type of guy. I don't know why I always remember Benning post-game after, you know, the kind of let's reassess the season last year, mentioning about the players that he was hoping to sign and talked about Tyler Toffoli. And I said, you know, I talked to Petey and I said, what's Tyler Toffoli like? And Petey said, man, he's a great help, blah, blah, blah. And you're going, okay, that's Jim doing his due diligence and then not getting it done. So the question, and I don't know if we'll ever get the answer, is it all on Benning that he fouled up, took too much time, didn't have that relationship with players and trust that we saw so many people walk away? Or did Jim be told, shut the checkbook, we've got no money for these guys, this is all we have? Don't know, but as Jody Shelley says, yeah, read the room. That likely the biggest issue right now with the Vancouver Canucks. I think they knew all along where they wanted to go and how far they were willing to go, and it only got more expensive. And when he hit the open market, there were clearly options for Markey. And you know what? The players need to stop moping and pouting and figure this out because it's been an absolute dumpster fire for the fa- for the last, what, 16 games now this season. All right, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock. Much more to get into this. Uh, Ed Jovanoski will join us just after 7 o'clock. But... It was the end of an era yesterday. We'll get into that next right here What Seaball Says on your home of the Canucks. He's Perry Sokowski. I'm James Sabolski on Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650. 6.32, James Sabolski and Perry Silkowski kicking it with you here until 9 o'clock this morning. We are the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. During my first month at Algonquin College back in 1993, we had a radio symposium 
Now, it featured prominent graduates from the broadcasting program to share their own advice and experiences about the industry. Now, at one end of the panel sat Gord Wilson, radio analyst for the Ottawa Senators. Grew up listening to Gord. Paid to travel across North America to watch hockey games. Now, Gord had his feet up on the table, hands behind his head, smiling like he was living the dream and just sharing stories about hopping on planes, staying in five-star hotels between time at the rink covering the National Hockey League. Basically sounded like a Ric Flair promo, you know, bright lights, big cities, long limousines. Gord reminded us all he had the best job in the world. Now, at the other end sat a parliamentary reporter named John Krupe, whom I actually later worked with. Canada was in a recession at the time, and radio had begun cutting the overnight shows and replacing them with syndicated program. Remember Rockline, anybody? Newsrooms started to shrink. The business was changing. And John shouted to all of us young, impressionable students, What the hell are you thinking? There are no jobs! If you want to make seven bucks an hour, then come on down. Now, I was 18 at the time, and I wasn't really thinking doom and gloom. My only thought was, you know what? Less John and more Gord. I want to hear more about living the dream. And 28 years later, as much as I hated hearing that at the time, John Krupe was right. An ugly trend in our media industry continued yesterday when the plug was pulled on several sports radio stations across Canada, including here in Vancouver with 1040. Friends, colleagues, lots of really good people out of work. And it hurts. Were they competitors? Absolutely. Did we push to try to be better than them daily? A hundred percent. But many were also our friends too. And it was a really, really crappy day for our business. Long before I was a Sportsnet 650 guy, I was a Team 1040 guy. I started just a few months after the launch of that station working alongside Bill Courage, Lee Powell, John the Beast Connors, to name a few. I met Dollywall there, Mike Whittingham, The Moj. So many guys behind the scenes that were impacted yesterday. It's a small business. Everybody knows everybody. Rick was a co-host here two years ago. I worked with the insanely talented Don Taylor at Sportsnet Pacific. Sakaris is a fellow Ottawa boy and long-suffering Bears fan like me who I've known for close to 20 years. How many scrums have I stood in with Jeff Patterson gathering interviews back when it was called GM Place? I haven't even mentioned some of the close friends from the last week that experienced this, like Dan O'Toole, Christian Jack, producer Tim, Brendan Halloran, Steve Argentero, Brett Wallace. They all suffered a similar fate. And like I said, it's a small world out there. Yesterday sucked, period. Because competition pushed all of us. It forced us to be better. Many of those guys benefited from the launch of this station three years ago by landing lucrative contract extensions to stay put when Sportsnet 650 became the new home of the Vancouver Canucks. It was Vancouver Sports Radio's version of the Monday Night Raw Wars, right? The Monday Night Wars. People reported on it. 
There was articles written about this every few months looking at the numbers, and now it's over. And I don't like it. This industry has been spinning like this for the last seven years, personally speaking, and it happened to me on the TV side at Sportsnet five years ago. 1040 was our competition, but, man, they were so much more. Vancouver's first all-sports station. Pratt's rant. That was must-listen-to radio for years. Station made history, just like Sports Page did all those years ago. I've been lucky enough to live out my dream covering sports and traveling the world for what is now my fourth decade of work. Feeling old, yeah. Always vowed not to turn into the grump warning aspiring broadcasters about the doom and gloom in this business, but man, yesterday made it that much harder to be the jaded veteran because a Van City classic and a piece of my own history has now gone silent. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. Well said on your part. Um, you know, I, I uh, Donnie and I live in the same neighborhood. We're probably a couple minutes apart from each other where we live. We, you know, the dogs we see every once in a while. And when we, when we chat, it's always, oh, man, like it's just nothing like it used to be. Uh, I would say this, that... It's probably been 24 months since I've been clean, and I'm not talking about any kind of abuse uh, of, of throwing to a commercial break and making sure I don't say those words, 1040, because there was five <laughs> years for me doing the radio there for their soccer. There was multiple times back when they were in West 2nd when I worked for CTV, and I would be the guy to call, hey, you want to do the morning show? Yeah, BMAC needs someone for the week. Excellent. Hey, Rick Ball needs somebody. Great. Let's go in there. Okay, Chappie needs someone, and I would go in there, and i do it all the time. Then when they moved to Robson and Berard, I'd jump in with Sikaris and, and do hits about what's going on. You're right, James. Anybody listening to us now, welcome to the first time. We're a couple of veterans who've been around for a while. And, and you can tell us we're good. You can tell us we suck. But you can tell us anything because you're a sports fan. And we encourage engagement. But I'm lucky to have been able to do this job, to travel the world like you, to do something that I dreamed of as a kid. But man, later in life, as you see friends who retire and friends who are, are counting down days and, and go to work and love their job and never, ever think that if they're good at it, that doesn't mean a thing. And we've seen it before in texting with Donnie yesterday and some others in this business. And you're right. My DMs over the last three weeks go, really? This is, this is what the conversation is all the time. Never have I witnessed what uh, happened yesterday that we found out when we were in a meeting like everybody else. And it, uh, it's, a, it's a great industry. But honestly, I challenge you to find something that's colder and crueler than what we work in. So thoughts to all of those guys. But that was a very tough day to go through and some tough times ahead for people. It, man, it was brutal. You know, almost 20 years ago, I remember getting off the air at, 1040 and we were all kind of whisked into a boardroom for a quick meeting and they had announced that when the team had launched there was also around the same time a national sort of uh, format that was the team radio network there was a, a team radio station in Toronto in Ottawa I think in Halifax Winnipeg there was there was a smattering of them across the country and within a year 
they pulled the plug. We got pulled into the office and into this boardroom, and they said, all right, everybody, just to let you know right now, everybody across the country that is associated with this brand is being fired except for you guys and the station in Ottawa. And that's that. <laughs> and you're just kind of sitting there, and, man, you think, like, how many good people at that time that were being impacted and had left, you know, whether it was TSN, whether it was Sportsnet, whether it was, you know, I had a bunch of friends from the from the score who would jump ship over there, and, like, boom, overnight, gone, right? And it was just, it's dirty, it's the ugly side, and, um, you know, I think there's a lot of really talented people over there that uh, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you're good people and if you're talented, um, you will find a way. And I think we'll see and hear from a lot of these people in the not too distant future. So I wish them all well. But it was uh, we've been, but buddy, we've both been there, and it's not fun. And especially when you have to deal with it publicly, right? You know, you look at look at the Canucks, right? And, and names about you know somebody being fired or being traded. I mean, that plays on your mental psyche. And trust me, oh. talking to some colleagues that lost their jobs last week, man. You know, it's. It's hard when you get public, when you're fired. Like, you know, you take the good, you take the bad with a public profile job. But, man, it's hard when you're dealing with the negativity sometimes. Oh, I, I tell you. And, and listen, everybody has connected the dots with mental health and the, the company that did it. But, yeah, it's, yes. it's, a, it's a challenge because you are, um, you know, you, you can sit at home, you can scroll through your phone, and it's, it's overwhelming. And the guy said it. And when it happened to me, you know, it was so appreciative. Then you go, well, what's next? What's happening, right? And all we do is we see three stations across the country in an industry we love going, eh, I don't know if we can do that anymore, right? So it's, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. And I remember played, you know, we were playing the Canucks Autism and they didn't have it this year, their Autism Hockey Tournament, which is great. Uh, Dana Merson was on our team. So I played for a, a, a company that, you know, you just, hey, you'll play for these guys. So what's the best part of playing hockey? Sitting around the room. The glory days when you sit around and you have a beer after a game. Let's hope we get back to those. But Kellen Totchkin, who once worked for us and was part of the Vancouver Canucks organization, had just been let go. We went through those tough times with Dolly Wall and Totch on this show. Totch came out and had played, and uh, we were just talking about what had happened. And he had been laid off, and we're just explaining it to the guys in the room. They go, what do you mean? I go, no, no, like just they're told you. You come to work, and, and then they tell you you're leaving, and then they ask you to leave the building. And the guy's face was like, are you kidding me? Goes, no, no, that's that's how it works. Yeah, no, it happened to me. And uh, you get, get a brown envelope. That's as callous as it uh, gets. And uh, yesterday was something I had never heard of before, the stories that came out of it. So I know, and we can see people texting, hey, move on. We will move on. But uh, appreciate the world we live in. It's a small industry. And yesterday was very, very tough. And our thoughts to everybody out there. Uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. A lot of people jumping in, uh, and uh, thank you very much for the kind words, and I think uh, our fellow colleagues would appreciate a lot of the kind words that you guys have been sending in. Uh, you know what? Hey, I should also mention this. I, I don't know if this uh, got enough of a mention. It, it did a little bit on social media, but shout out to Travis Green. Pear, the head yes. coach of the Vancouver yeah. Canucks, reached out to a lot of people, um, and uh, he had just kind of passed along his well wishes to a lot of those impacted yesterday. I know Rick Dollywall was mentioning that yesterday, but uh, he he it's, it, Travis made the point of of going out of his way to connect with a lot of those individuals. Man, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Say what you want about Travis, um, but I got a lot of time for Travis, and man, that kind of tells you the person that he is to do that and to reach out. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. If you're new to the show coming up, uh, no BS, just PS. 
You want some balls? Is there any tougher vocation than being a professional better? I'll tell you a story about a guy who hit it big on Sunday, and it wasn't the first time. That's ahead on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. Well, the Super Bowl matchup couldn't have been better, yet this was still the highlight. He breaks a tackle from a security guard, the 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man! Be a man, Kevin Harlan. That was the radio call. But as far as viewership for the Super Bowl, they drew 96 million, James. That is down from last year by about 6 million. And it continues a remarkable decline across championship sporting events. Now, I guess let's blame it on COVID, but NBA finals were down. NHL Stanley Cup finals down. World Series, college football playoffs. All down, all hitting historic lows. I just wonder how many people have, uh, have cut the cord on cable, right? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, kids stream now, right? I, I mean, it's can, can you really fully measure an audience nowadays with conventional cable numbers? Like, and that's what people, they're I, trying to figure out, yeah. right? Because they look at the streaming numbers and go, well, that was better than last year. <laughs> so how do you put that in place? Well, like, man, hey, there, was, there, was a guy, there was a guy we worked with here a pair a few years ago who didn't have cable but watched all the Canucks games. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. and also watched every episode of Game of Thrones, but again, didn't have cable, right? And it was kind of like, well, what do you do? Oh, you know, I just wait for torrent, you know, final legal streaming site. <laughs> you know, yeah, and that's exactly it. Right, it. And but, I don't yeah. think you can you can pin those numbers and oh, it's historic lows. Nah, the the way it's being consumed is different. Hey, P.S. Let Russ cook, or man, has Russ just been stewing? Here's Russell Wilson chased out of the pocket, brought down, second sack. Yeah, Russ on a Zoom call yesterday sounding off. No, he doesn't do that, but he's frustrated. He says, man, I need some blocking. I need some protection. I'll tell you what, though. Seahawks, as far as pass protection, ninth in a pass block win rate. And Russell Wilson hangs on to the football, fourth longest in the NFL, 2.97 seconds. Fair for Russ to be complaining about his situation in Seattle? That guy's been sacked by more than anybody in the first nine years of their career in the history of the National Football League. Like, that's the, the numbers, and it's not even close, right? I think they said he's been sacked 394 times in 144 regular season games, right? I also it, think he sees what's going on in the NFL and goes, man, I am just the, the quiet competitor. I don't say anything negative. I'm going to kind of control the narrative. And I'm seeing other guys jumping. Maybe Seattle and Russell Wilson will not be the dream ending. That's the only team I play for. He's not going. Hey, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, but it's okay to speak up, though, man. You, you, you got a window here with a franchise quarterback. P.S. The comments were made a week ago, but yesterday the International Olympic Committee made their feelings clear. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about they reminded the Japanese Olympic official, uh, you know what? What you say has nothing to do with our Olympic agenda in 2020. They did not mention any further actions towards the official, Yoshiro Myro. If you don't know what he said, 
He said, you know, we uh, can't have too many women on the board because women talk too much. And that means the meetings with many female board members would take a lot of time. Man, a little bit out of touch. You gotta be kidding me! There you go. P.S. If your job is a professional better and sign me up, someone give me a half million to see what I could do with it. While well, you already know you're playing with a big pair. Go on, take the money and run. So, Mark DeRose is a professional better. Last year, he walks in before the NFL season. because you know, I like Lamar Jackson. I'm firing down some big coin that Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP of the league. Cash is 300000 in the summer. Then he goes, you know what? Something's going on here. I'm going to bet big Tom Brady is going to sign with the Chargers. Ah, I'm going to hedge my bet. I'm going to bet big that Brady is going to sign with the Bucks. Okay, I'm now going to take the Chargers to win the division, to win the conference, to win the Super Bowl. And I'll do the same with Tampa Bay. Brady's going to Tampa Bay. They're winning the conference. They're winning the division. While he hits with the conference, and of course he hits with the Super Bowl, and the professional better that Mark DeRosa in pockets $550,000 on Sunday when Tom gets the job done. Not BS, everybody. That's PS. Everybody I've talked to, man, lost a lot of money over the weekend. I uh, know, man. (laughs) But I was okay losing to the GOAT. But yeah, man, I don't know anybody who said, no, I was all over the box. Yeah, no, there's very, like uh, there's like one buddy, one buddy, uh, uh, but outside of that, like everybody else took a spanking to their bank accounts. Uh, five minutes to seven o'clock. How you doing, everybody? This is the uh, starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Bukowski kicking it with you, and Joe Bukop, former Canucks All-Star, Olympic gold medalist, and resident good guy is going to join us next. I wonder if he took a beating on the Super Bowl. We'll ask him next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. You remember back in the lottery in 04, I just missed on Sidney Crosby. Well, now I got Sidney Crosby. Good to be here. These guys are here to break it all down. Jim Benning did a terrible job. The team was trending in a great direction. That's my team. They drafted me. They gave me an opportunity. And he let that whole... I would say he let all of Canada down because all, all Canada, all, we want to see a Stanley Cup come back to Canada. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Quit clowning around. It's on. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Two minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. What's going on? Hour number two of the starting lineup. My name is James Zabolski. He's Perry Solkowski. Kicking it with you until 9 o'clock your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The Canucks back in action tomorrow night against a Flames team that picked up a big win last night over the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois making his debut finally after finishing up his quarantine that lasted 16 months, I believe it was, Perry. But he's finally there. He's uh, 31 years old now and was uh, able to finally make an appearance in a Winnipeg uniform, which he will probably, uh, I think he's now in the last year of his contract and about to retire with the amount of time that he had to wait. Uh, I'm liking the fact that I, I'm doubting he's going to be benched in the first four games. Hey, what does Paul Maurice say? And I watched that game last night, and Pierre-Luc Dubois looked like a guy who hadn't really played. Played four hockey games prior to sitting for the 75 months of quarantine. And he said it. He goes, you know, honestly, the first four games of an NHL season, especially this year, you, you know, you're not at it. And then all of a sudden I'm jumping in where these guys – play that much better. I do think Winnipeg will be that team that's going to be able to lock down third place. But in watching that Flames-Jets game, 
you know, as I try and be Perry positive and put a spin on it, I go, right, these are not the Toronto Maple Leafs. These are not the Montreal Canadiens. The Vancouver Canucks can play with these guys. We hope. And I, I think it's a great thing. And Canucks go back to practice today. I mean, it, it has been nonstop for these guys. They have played so much hockey. And I know people don't want to hear excuses. And the Canucks haven't really made them. But, man, they finally get a couple days to just figure it all out. That said, you got to win three or four against Calgary to start to believe in yourself. You know, Jody Shelley, James, talked about, you know, you feel good about it. Tell me the times the Canucks have went to the rink feeling good about themselves. After game one against Edmonton. All right. And after that one against Winnipeg. Other than that, they're going to, what are we doing tonight? Maybe the Habs, maybe the, maybe the shootout win over the Habs, but even, even they were, they were leaky that game. Yeah. Oh, they were totally, it was just pond hockey out there. Yes. You're right. Yeah. But it's a lot of hockey and not feeling good about yourself. Ed Jovodowski, Jovo Cop, joins us every Wednesday morning at this time. For some of you new listeners uh, joining us, welcome aboard and uh, a familiar face here in these parts. Uh, Eddie, how are you, man? Morning, guys. Doing well. Uh, okay, before we kind of dive in from a hockey standpoint, we were trying to figure out: did you uh, did you deplete your funds betting on the Chiefs, or did you just stick to uh, betting on a Florida team in the Super Bowl? You know what? I had the Chiefs, uh, and unfortunately, it was a terrible game. Um, <laughs> it was Eddie, wasn't you know it? What? Leading up, it was awful. And you know what? Leading up to the game, so we sit with my buddies that we always sit around and watch sports with, and. And we all were on, on the same page. Well, listen, you know, the Chiefs, we think, are the better team. But I think the story's going to win. And sure enough, I think with Brady, you know, being the GOAT, Tampa hosting, you know, the home team playing in it, and all that, 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 that you know, sure enough, um, it was over in the first quarter. Like I said, so usually I like chasing my bets. You know, but uh, <laughs> I actually put it away, and I made one bet in the second half. I took the um, I took Tampa Bay money line at plus three thirteen. It was a hope bet, and they ended up, uh, you know, winning. So I got a little bit of my uh, game bet back. Eddie, answer this, and and you're right. Listen, everybody watches it, and and it was Tampa Bay, and it wasn't much of a football game, but. I wonder if we can connect the dots to hockey with it. To me, it seemed like there was one team out there Sunday afternoon that was going to do everything they could to win, and the other team that went out there expecting to win. And I think we can draw a parallel with the Canucks when the season started, that they maybe expected to win and weren't willing to work hard to win. Fair? Yeah, it's it's fair. I I think when you... You know, a lot of times when you kind of look at these situations, I mean, you know, you know, will kind of overtakes skill and you hear all those, you work hard and, and you're going to get results. And, you know, yeah, but right. I mean, you look at, you look at, you know, Brady, for example, this Super Bowl, you, him and Gronk, you know, from the start, they weren't going to be denied, you know, and, and I think you can, you know, you can look at that as being inspiring for guys that just, or in in the situation Vancouver's in, yeah, you gotta want it, man. I mean, that's it's plain and simple, and I and I think nothing's gonna be handed to you, and you gotta work through kind of diver, uh, diversity that's going on, and and just kind of touching on last game. I mean, it was a tremendous forty minutes of hockey, you know, and the, you know the team played well and was out. I think they outshot them two to one, you know, at some point, and that's 
you know, when you're playing a potent offense, you know, like, you know, the Leafs um, that can score quickly, which they did, uh, can put the game out of reach. So um, I feel for the guys, though. You know, it's tough times. It's like like you guys said, you know, before I came on, it's um, – it becomes it becomes that kind of you know a tough feeling and um, you know heading to the rink and you almost dislike going and especially with everything kind of surrounding with the way the world is today just kind of adds to that so um, like you said you got Calgary you got to start somewhere to kind of get yourself out of this. Uh, Ed Jovanovski here on Sportsnet 650. We talked about how the chemistry has really been messed with for a lack of a better description with the departures of Tanev and Markstrom. And we were just talking about it with Jody Shelley in the hour prior and just how sometimes we maybe underrate the importance of chemistry within a room and within a team. Was there ever, was there a a player that you had that left a team that really shook up the dynamic the following season or following a trade that maybe management just missed the boat on to say, man, um, this really kind of screwed with our team. Was was there ever that a, a move, whether a guy left by free agency or a trade that you kind of look back from your time, whether it was here or Florida or, or Phoenix, uh, that kind of stands out for you? Yeah, I think we touched on this before, James. And and the one guy that I brought up was uh, when I was my, you know, my first go around in um, in Florida. I uh, was Stu Barnes. Yes. And and I was young, and I was young, and I, I didn't realize okay at the time. though, you're kind of making trade. How does it affect the dynamics of a team, the locker room? Um, we brought in a great guy, you know, Chris Wells. Just you know, it was Chris Wells. He, ne- he never really panned out. Um, you know, Stu Barnes was a glue guy. So you can kind of see kind of, you know, that was kind of my first experience of, of really noticing as a young player saying, geez, we really miss this guy. And, um, you know, I, I think I can go throughout my career and kind of look at, you know, probably a few different situations, but that, that one sticks out because, you know, Barney was that guy that kind of did everything. He was a power play guy. He was a penalty kill guy. He was, uh, you know, the guy that was always kind of, you know, with a smile on his face, talking to everyone. And, um, you know, he's been there from the from the start, right? So you kind of change that up, and you try to change the, you know, you know, team up a little bit. Um, ends up kind of backfiring on you. So it wasn't the same. Ed Jovanovski joins us, as he always does, turns us into the complete ski patrol Wednesday morning. Selkowski, Sabalski, Jovanovski. <laughs> Eddie, I don't know if you heard, and, and you'd be busy getting ready with the nachos and the wings for Super Bowl, but Saturday night postgame, Quinn Hughes just talked a little bit about his play, uh, or, or rather Monday, actually, and, and said he thought he's been playing well in his defensive end, then just said, hey, we've had so many changes. Uh, you know, it's taken a long time to get adjusted to. He's still a young guy, and sometimes you say things in the media you don't want. Quinn Hughes has been great point-wise. His plus-minus, nothing to be proud of, but some people don't like that stat. Where do you think his play has been? Well, you're right. I mean, Perry, I think, I think uh, you know, numbers are, are one thing. And when you, when you, as a player, you feel that your numbers are up there, you feel like you're doing something you know, good. Whether the team's winning or losing, you feel like you're doing your part. 
Um, on the other side of that, I mean, defensive play is always something that's going to be judged. But I think for a player like him, you can almost kind of live with some gaffes because he's going to produce produce offensively for you where he's going to make up on the other end. And, and I'm with you with the plus-minus thing. You know, you're on the ice a lot. You're going to give up chances. It's kind of something that you kind of live with with players like that. But I, I, I think, you know, the young kids coming in are so confident in their own, you know, ability, and they're betting on themselves. You know, for him to come out and kind of say, yeah, I've been awful or this and that, um, you know, you're probably not going to hear from, from uh, you know, young players or star players like him. You're probably going to hear him saying, listen, I can be better in these areas that I need to improve on. I'm learning every day. The kind of the typical same thing that you hear over and over again. But, um, you know, I've kind of been, you know, sporadically watching just because, you know, with Florida going on here in, in the late nights. But, you know, sometimes when things aren't going well as a team, and we've touched on this before, um, you just try to do too much. And it just doesn't work. The league's so good that you just end up snowballing and, you know, things kind of deteriorate quicker than, than they should. I mean, um, for a young defenseman, and I was always taught this, is, you know, the less is more kind of, you know, kiss, keep it, keep it simple, stupid. And it, it really does relate. I mean, it's, you see the play, you make the play. But a guy with his ability, and I was the same way. I felt like I could outskate someone. I can beat someone wide. I can take someone one-on-one. You feel like you have that ability to create. And, you know, sometimes when the things aren't gelling and the chemistry is not there, it just kind of falls apart. And I think kind of that's the situation that for himself and the team is in right now, where guys are trying to do other people's job and, and you start, you know, chasing things around. It doesn't work that way. you got to play as a group, as we all know. And I think things will kind of, you know, get in the right spot for him. Jovo, uh, fair, t- fair enough. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that totally works. fair. So, there, so there's to kind of follow this. Um, we were talking to Bert yesterday, who uh, obvi- I think you owe him probably fifty bucks for this little tire pump. But um, we were talking about you know the dynamic and the sanctity of the room and guys who can be vocal and whether it can be channeled the right way or wrong way. Take a listen to Bert, and uh, maybe you can uh, you can uh, riff on this uh, from yesterday. Ed Jovanowski, without doubt, one of my favorite hockey players I've ever played with. I love the guy to death. He was one of the most outspoken, vocal players in the room that I've ever played with. But he, he was spot on with everything that he said because all he wanted to do was win. He was trying to get the best out of everyone. Was it, was it sometimes a little bit too much? No, I, I, I don't think so. Nowadays, the guys would be fearful if Jovo ran in the room and started Let's go. Let's get this going. Or whatever Jovo did, what he did back in the day, the guys would be terrified. Um, we talk about how JT Miller is kind of that vocal presence, and whether it's been disruptive or not. But it sounds like you were not afraid to kind of speak up, uh, bouncing off walls if need be. Right. Listen, I, I mean, you all know, Jay. I mean, I had that passion. I loved. I loved the game. I. And I, and I wanted to win. And I felt yeah. in, in the situation in Vancouver, we had the group to do it. And, um, you know, listen, I, I think we did it by committee. Some guys, you know, led like Nazi wasn't the, you know, most vocal guy, but boy, did he lead on the ice. You know, Mo led in his certain ways and Bert, you know, did his ways and Trent Clatt did his ways and, and Ole and Sammy, these guys all led in, in different ways. Uh, 
you know, I like to rile up the boys, man. I was, you know, that, that guy. And then if something that I didn't like that was going on, you kind of voice it because the communication is the best way to kind of get through everything, whether it's marriage or your team or whatever. I think if it's your kids, I think you communicate, you can kind of get through things. But Eddie, and, Eddie, to, but Eddie to, stop, to stop you right there for that, and, and you're right, like communication is imperative, but there's always that sort of uncomfortable fine line about, you know, just, you know what I mean, broaching certain subjects with right. certain people, whether it's whether it's the relationship at home, whether it's a dynamic with a coworker, you know what I mean? When you're frustrated with something, it's, it's, it's finding that courage. I, I would think that when you're willing to have those conversations – I'm sure it creates a little bit of pushback or friction in the in the short term, but maybe long term it it helps. For for sure, and, and I took it from my first few years in the league. I was like, "Is this guy really saying this to me?" Like, like, but they knew that I had more to give, and um, that's that's all it is. I, I think it's it's. I guess they call it constructive criticism. Yep. You know, and, if, and, and, you know, we can have a teaching point at, at that time if a veteran going to a younger guy saying, listen, hey, listen, kind of this is the way, you know, you'll be better off doing it. Um, you know, when I was towards the end of my career and I came back to Florida my second time, I'm not going to say a name, but I got into a, you know, it was a first or second year player and I got called into the coach's room saying, listen, you got to back off this kid. I'm like, what? I'm like, the kid's a first-round pick. I mean, I mean, he's got to, like, he, we expect more from him. We're in, we're in a chase here. We, we need him. If we don't have him going, we ain't getting anywhere. So, and I understand. I guess it's different. My, I guess, I don't know. We weren't kind of brought up in, 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 in the times where you were coddled. You know, I, I think the game has changed, and you got to be wary of what comes out of out of your mouth, and that's just the kind of days we're in today. Come on, give us a name. Is he still playing? No, he's still playing. Yeah, and he's one hell of a player. Really, listen, I I don't feel I should be able to jump into this whole communication thing. I haven't talked to my wife in three years, and we've never been happier. We text, um, but a that's why you're did still we... married, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did we, Eddie, see that play out Saturday on television with uh, what happened with Braden Holpe and off the boards and, and JT Miller lets Austin Matthews inside. Everyone's pissed at everyone. Holpe looks, there's daggers at Miller. Right. Miller comes back. Did we see a moment of togetherness or a step of Braden Holpe going, I'm pissed? Uh, and okay, you guys want to see what I expect of myself and everybody, JT. If you're the big alpha dog in this room, I'm going to call you out right now. And JT's going, okay, let's figure it out. Was that a, uh, for lack of a better word, a bonding moment or an imperative moment for the Canucks? I believe so. It could. I mean, obviously that that situation, you, you can tell it was just you know gone bad, and and you can see the expression on Holpe kind of looking at the bench like going like, what the hell's going on and. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a team right there of disconnect. I mean, that's all that is right now. And I think you've got to find whatever that case, how it unfolded, whatever was said in the locker room after, um, you know, him calling out and then you knew that he was going to respond, you know, and I thought he was better, you know, but it's just a team that's got to find a way to kind of reconnect. And, um, 
but that was a perfect example. Like you're so discombobulated, you know, you're, you're throwing, you thinking someone's there, no one's there. It kind of goes, you know, right to the guy and it, everyone looks, it looks, you know, gets embarrassed. But that's what, we, you know, we talked about before is, um, you know, the old Murphy's law, you know, every, you know, little mistake or kind of a glaring mistake, you know, ends up in your net. And it's really kind of a snowball effect. And you really got to nip it quick or things kind of, as we see now, you get tough to find a win. Uh, change your gears for a second. What do you make of Berkey taking over in Pittsburgh as the president of Hockey Ops? Well, I'm happy for him. I think, uh, you know, Berkey's a, uh, you know, a great hockey mind and he belongs and, uh, you know, in the rinks. He does a great job on TV, mind you, but I, I think his, you know, obviously his passion is, is running organizations. And uh, But I do recall a couple weeks ago where he was kind of talking about Pittsburgh and saying, you know, is this kind of time up <laughs> for this group? Yeah, are they done? And he's like the dichotomy of the team. Um yeah, the window's and closed. Said, uh, yeah. And he agreed with it. He thinks it's up. So he's got some work on his hands. Um, oh, he's such know, a turncoat. Like, yeah. No, but but but, best, but, but, I, but, no, but, 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 Eddie, I, I, this is what I wonder. Like, okay, so you got one more year with Latang and, and, and Malkin. And then right. you've got some financial relief there with those guys. And maybe you try to move them. But you got four more years of Sid after this. Now Gretzky and Orr and Howe and you know outside of Mario, very few guys uh, have kind of stayed with one team. Do you see Crosby going anywhere else, or do you see no. this team having to rebuild with that eight point seven million dollar cap hit for number eighty seven, who is a hundred percent one of the greatest ever, but? Do you have to work around that, or do you think Sid would be willing to go chase a cup elsewhere? Uh, tough one. Yeah. You know what? If, if you're gonna lay, if you're gonna make a bet, I, I think he he remains with Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. He's done so much for for that team. You know, the organization, the city. I, I think he's a Pittsburgh Penguin for life, and 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 it might be he has that he has that power or I guess that respect, you know, if it ever comes to the point, I would think it would be kind of up to him. Like Berkey. Oh, he calls the shots. Him. I agree, Eddie. That's on him. Right. Look at Mario. He right. owns the team, right? Sid was there living with Mario when it all started. I'd like to see Sid in Montreal. Right. It'd be, yeah. I, That'd I, be I, amazing. The greatest one got traded. You know, yeah. it's, uh, everything's possible. And, you know, but he's, you know, you see him in the black and gold or black. Do you think, Eddie, you think he's the type of hockey player like Wayne when he's not at his level, he walks away. Wayne walked away and still was putting up some decent numbers. Or is Sid that Brian Trottier like guy and says, man, I just love playing. So if you need me to be your second line, heck, if you need me to be a checking center, I'll, he'll be I'll a help you out liner. there. I think he'll play pair. That's me. right. I you think I, he just stays. I, I agree. I think he's, he's, you know, he's a rink rat. Um, you know, he loves hockey. You can tell he's, you know, he probably knows, you know, the history of the game better than anybody. Um, I, I, I see him. I don't see him going. I, I don't know. It's hard to say because guys are in such good shape now. 
and and you see guys producing, you know, at a lot of part of their of their career. And I think Sid's uh, one of those guys that's always going to be a dangerous player, you know, on the ice. And um, it's just to see how it folds out, but. Uh- I'll share uh, I'll share a story with you guys about about Sid and just how much of a rink rat like he's just I mean that's all he's known right and he just consumes it but um do you so about 12 years ago I was I was doing a a sidelines a rinkside reporter for uh for an NHL on TSN game and I was in Pittsburgh and I get to the rink the next morning I don't know if you guys remember the it was a mild controversy. It quickly was, you know, it was dealt with in the moment, but it still kind of, you know, got some traction where uh, Darren Pang had said, he was talking about P.K. Subban and Alex Petrangelo, and he just had a Freudian slip, but it said, you know, P- uh, you know, Petrangelo does things the, the white way, and it just kind of, you know, Darren Pang got in a little bit of trouble. Well, I got to the rink the next day. I hadn't even seen it. And Crosby, I walk into the rink, and there's Crosby going, oh, my God, did you see what happened to Panger last night? And I was like, what? (laughs) And he runs over to the PR guy, and, like, iPads were kind of brand-new shiny toys at the time. He's like, get your your thing, man. Here, get it up. And, you know, quickly, like, going to YouTube or Googling and just trying to find this link and, and, like, look at this. This is crazy. And he just couldn't – like, he just couldn't get enough of anything hockey but there was Sid like just mm-hmm. all over the whole Darren Pang slip and, and thankfully Pang kind of was able to move on from it but just I that just speaks to me that when he's away from the rink he's talking hockey when he's at the rink he just he's just one of those guys that just can't can't get enough I think that's what makes him so great Eddie I, I agree and you know it's in your blood and and I speak for for myself as well I mean there's nothing better going to the rink after a win three hours before practice, hang out and kind of have a, have a hot tub, go have a coffee, go in the training room, bounce around, maybe get a little leg rub, go to that table, get stretched <laughs> out, go practice, maybe watch a little video, you know, have lunch after, go home. You know, it, it's literally the best. And, and you can't, you're not duplicating that anywhere. And, and not to mention, where are you finding that euphoria of, of playing a pro sport in front of so many fans, you know, and, and competing. I'm still, I'm looking for it. I can't find anything that compares to, to playing in a national hockey league game. So I, I think the, the message now is what I give to, you know, younger players, listen, take care of your body and play as long as you can, because, you know, there's going to be one day where it's going to be gone. And you're going to miss it. Eddie, the passion come through us all the time, buddy. I know you're in front of the TV. That's why you got yourself a gold medal. That's why you got yourself all those jerseys, all those all-star appearances. And that's why you threw backhand sauce to Joe Sackick at the Olympics and made our country great. Thanks, pal. (laughs) All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Eddie, love that. I love the passion you're talking about. Hey, by the way, before we get off, who do you guys like tonight? Big game tonight. No, Montreal, Toronto. Toronto, Montreal? Yep. Give me the Habs. I'm staying away. I'm betting what the do you goalie, think? boys. You take Where are you going? It's like in baseball. You know, you bet the pitcher. In hockey, you bet the goalie. Betting the goalie. Thanks for the tip on uh, Monday, though, pal. I like your reads. <laughs> there you go.
Nice. All right, guys. <laughs> Take care, Eddie. Take care. Love the passion, buddy, as always. And that's there's another guy who's just an absolute rink rat, Ed Jovanovski, joining oh. us here. On 1-800-JOVOCOP for your betting tips of the night also, everybody. Here was, yes. uh, here was a guy who absolutely couldn't get enough, man. Like how many times that, you know, we talk about what's happened, obviously, over the last 24 hours with <laughs> – TSN 1040. Jovo, when he was here, when 1040 was the only station in town, like how many times I would get messages from him or I'd get to the rink and he's, I heard you guys talking about this. And he, yeah. he just consumed it on the way on his commute from the North Shore down to, to, to Rogers Arena or GM Place in those days. And he just couldn't get enough. He was watching the highlights nonstop. But James, you know, who's similar is, if people don't know, Kevin Bieksa joins us every Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Juice was talking on the Hockey Night telecast when they go, hey, you, you now can't be at the rink three hours early anymore because of COVID. And he's just going, man, that was tough because there's Kevin. Loved getting in there early to make sure he could do everything, right? So there's guys who play and there's guys who it's a job. And, man, you need to have that passion. I think a little bit of that is missing right now with this hockey team. Who's the one guy that says, man, I'll, I'll be there at 1 in the afternoon. Who's coming to join me? Rather than, nah, it's not there yet. Need Come to find on. it. Need Admit to find it, it in this hockey it's just, it's just lazy. It's lazy parenting. These guys don't want to deal. They're just getting out of the house. <laughs> well, no, that's, yes, that's the bottom line, but we can't tell anybody that. <laughs> All right, uh, Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner. Dunbar Lumber is going to join us in a moment talking about his own personal experiences when he was coached by torts. And also, how do you fix a losing streak? That's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks Sports at 650. It's time for Mr. Fix-It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. James Sabalski. Perry Solkowski, midway mark on the starting line up here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 here on this chilly Wednesday morning. And Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner. And the man, the brains, the brawn from Dunbar Lumber located at Bridge Street in Ladner or Buter Street in Vancouver. Or check him out online at DunbarLumber.com. Perry, you know that Ken is finally like falling in love with this radio thing because now he like calls me midweek to just rant. Right, so oh, you, you know, fired up yesterday. Ken just fired up about the goal <laughs> breakdowns and that eleven-second gap from those two, that loss against the Leafs on Monday. But it was interesting. The goal you were more frustrated over. I, you know what, like that, that was a really, really good hockey game. The the, it was a, it was just again one of those things. You you they let up for eleven seconds. That's all it was, and the more frustrating part that I thought of this whole thing was the second goal, not the first. The first goal is a great play between two great players and one guy who's scoring this goal is feeling at the moment. And that, you know, nine times out of 10, that goal is going in. After you get a goal scored against you, I was always taught the next shift, start of a period, end of a period, last minute, whatever you do, you want to make sure that nothing happens again. And that's kind of what was more frustrating for me is they're still in it at 2-1. It was a great goal by a great player, set up by a great player. But then the next shift came out, and 11 seconds later, I would say let a questionable one in, right? One of those ones that you just, you got your line out there that you want to check. You got your line out there that uh, is matched up well with the next line, probably third line against third line. You just don't want to get beat for that 30 seconds. And that was the one that killed it. 
and uh, they couldn't come back from that. Well, Ken, it's always how do you respond, but they had Sutter out at center ice, loses the draw. Do you pin that one on Quinn Hughes, too, who kind of said, you know, his game has been good. Would you agree? Sorry, I missed that. Sorry. Well, I'm just saying, you know, and it was Sutter who lost that draw after the goal, and then I I think if memory serves, Quinn Hughes kind of is behind the net, maybe goes the other way. Is that on a player? Is that just everybody not mentally being prepared, guys? We gave it up. Let's make sure we're strong on the response. And Quinn, who's yeah, afterwards think, kind of talked about how he's played, and he thinks it's, you know, he's played well. Do you agree with that? Because we've stayed away from Quinn Hughes. We've stayed away from PD in this city to go, hey, man, I know you're young, but you need more. Agree or disagree? I, I agree. You have to go at everybody here. You can't, you can't, you can't single guys out and say, these guys are playing well, these guys are playing bad. You, you can't. It's a team game. There's no, this isn't tennis or golf, right? You, you can't. No matter what, I would think that Hughes and Petey and Besser and Miller, Colby, you know, all these guys are taking responsibility. They really are. Maybe they're not in ways that we see them on TV, but they are definitely not in their minds thinking that, well, you're hoping that they're not, they're playing well, but everybody else is playing, you know, subpar. But um, this, is a, this is a team game. This, this, I know that, that if you're a coach at that particular time, you're putting out a line against after a goal, you're putting out a line that you feel confident in that five, that they're not going to give up another opportunity. And it's an unwritten kind of rule in hockey. Like you just, you get scored against the next line goes out there. You don't get scored against no matter what. And, and you just got to make sure of that. And, and there was a couple of bobbles behind the net. There was a, you know, someone didn't take someone in front, you know, it was just a, it was a broken play that ended up in the back of your net. And those are the things that are, that are hurtful. I mean, we, we see giveaways in every game, but they don't necessarily always end up in the back of your net right now. Those little things that are happening in the Canucks end are more than likely ending up in the back of the net. I mean, they did play a great game. Toronto got seven shots in the, in the first two periods, they were playing really good, hard hockey. And then for 11 seconds, they let up. And then all of a sudden now you're playing a team that is arguably one of the best in the league, two-goal lead, that's tough. With 15 minutes left, that's tough. And uh, you definitely think that Toronto has turned their game around enough that they know now how to protect the lead. And, um, you know, any any chances that you give up when you're taking chances, they're going to put it in the back of your net. Ken Priestley here on uh, Sportsnet 650. A lot of talk over the last few days and last few weeks, for that matter, in terms of how Torts handles key players and the latest Patrick Laine. What has he has he even played four games for the Jackets and he's already benched? He sat for the final 26 minutes uh, of the Jackets and Canes game a couple of nights ago. You had Torts uh, as a coach, right? You 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 had him. Was yeah, he, was I, he the same type of guy then? Torts is Torts is always fired up. Every I had him my first. I think it was two years in the Buffalo organization and um, he was an assistant to Rick Dudley, who was as equally fired up as a coach <laughs> and to see those guys run a practice or to see those guys prepare for a game. It was, it was an event in itself, right? Like they, they were fired up as coaches. I've never seen guys so fired up for game time. Like they were, taking a pregame skate they were having the pregame meal they were living the the player's life as a coach 
and still trying to coach, right? They, they didn't, those two guys never expected anything other than 120%. And if you didn't give 120% in any given moment of a game, you heard about it and they were in your ear. They were right beside you telling you that, you know, in, in the, in the nicest of words, that wasn't a very good shift. And I think sometimes now that Torts has got been a head coach and a successful head coach for a lot of years now, I mean, he's doing it his way. There's no other, there's no other explanation for this. It's his way or, or he'll get fired. And um, I don't know if he knows any other way to coach. And um, the funny thing that, that I thought after that trade and everybody that holy smokes Dubois for line a, Dubois for line a, is you had two coaches in Maurice and Torts who were kind of the same. One's a pit bull, one's just more of an extreme pit bull. And the other players are the same players. They don't really get along with what that coach is saying or they don't really buy into what he's doing because I can do this better and I want out and I want to go someplace else. And, you know, I've been to Winnipeg and it's a decent city, maybe something that uh, you don't necessarily want to be in the, in the winter. I've never been to Columbus. But, uh, you know, from all indication, it's not the most uh, glamorous place, but it's still a great place to play. Well, right now, the, the thing that Line A is going through is he probably wishes he was back at Portage and Maine right now because it's probably really, really sunny and there's no wind at all. But he is now in Columbus with torts and there's a lot of rain. There's a lot of snow and it's cold there. And he is going to feel it until he starts producing. Ken, the athletes are, are probably so different back then when you're dealing with the young torts. Did everyone buy into what he was doing back then? It sounds like he was, hey, man, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm in here with you. And I think a lot of people appreciate that in your leaders. But do you think One, it can work now? I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I hope it can because I think that, uh, I mean, I'm still involved in coaching at a totally different level. U18, yeah. not even close to the NHL. But the year, you're 100% right the young players these days it's different and eddie said it before right like we were brought up to listen to your coach what your coach said was right and your parents at the end of the game would ask you like what's going on what's going on you know how can you play like this what did the coach say yeah you, and they exactly said, listen your coach listen to your coach he's the guy right like it it that's the difference. And, and the difference now is, is some, some players, they're just, and, and, and young, young kids, they just, the game is just a different game. There was hooking and holding and, and, and there was fighting and there was a lot of interference that, uh, that you had to get through as a smaller player, as a bigger player. The game was way, way stronger, like just tougher. The game right now is fast and it's super finesse and, and the players are bigger. It's still physical but the game just is different and it's still a great game. There's no question. I, I like both parts, but um, the, the responsibility as a player to, to listen to the coach and do what the coach says is maybe not the same as it was back when, when I played. And um, that's maybe why you have some people not buying in because they just don't agree with the way that they're being told to play. I heard a couple of things that in the uh, Dunbar lumber lumber yard that uh, you kind of go towards on most of the staff there. Uh, every once in a while, yeah. If something doesn't get out on time, why not? 
<laughs> it doesn't hurt, right? You got to see how they react. Yeah. What does a healthy scratch look like at Dunbar Lumber? Uh, They're working at Home Depot. Come back. I mean, I think you get a second chance. <laughs> a healthy scratch at Dunbar Lumber is, is kind of a is kind of a, your, your ticket out. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> take care, buddy. Nice to catch up. You're gone yeah, to you Canadian too, guys. time. Take care. Have a good week. <laughs> you too. Uh, Ken Priestley uh, from Dunbar Lumber, Stanley Cup champion. Uh, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. You know, the Beagle the Beagle assigned, missed assignment on Matthews was a tough one pair. Uh, but, man, like watching Quinn Hughes just get pickpocketed behind the net. Um you just never saw that last year, and it feels like this has become a, a bit of a thing this season, and partly why well, he's got I, that I, minus uh, yeah, 13. I, I think the fact is, though, we expected this team to win, so we look at the mistakes, and they're uh, they're magnified, right? And, and I think it's tough to play perfect in anything. And, and you're looking, you're right. There's Jay Beagle going, okay, how do you lose? You, first you lose the draw, and then you puck chase rather than just sit with Austin Matthews, and he would say it's a mental error, and then you've got a guy – who's so confident with the puck that makes that mistake. I, I don't know. I think this team just needed a couple of days. Travis Green said as much, man, I don't know when we've had two days off. You get it. But now when you look at the winning percentage, we'll get into it later. They've got to be so good for a while. It's not like split with Calgary. You better win three or four against Calgary. And that's going to have to be the case for a while to get yourself back into a decent position here. Uh, Anthony Stewart from Hockey Night in Canada will join us just after 8 o'clock. we got lots more coming your way right here within your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. I was talking to David Morehouse, who's the CEO there, about the different GM candidates and saying this is what this guy's good at, and here's what you know Joe Smith is good at, and here's what he's bad at, and going through it. So apparently that night, he was talking to Mario, and Mario said, how come you know so much about all these guys? And he said, well, I've been talking to Brian Burke, and Mario said, Berkey, why don't we get him? Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's Brian Burke on Hockey Central yesterday here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, and uh, we now have a void to fill on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. As uh, Brian, uh, I think, kind of caught everybody off guard yesterday yesterday. Uh, in the Sportsnet offices that uh, he is now the president of hockey operations, joining Ron Hextall, who takes over as GM in Pittsburgh, and Berkey now um, the president of hockey ops and uh, a good buffer for Ron Hextall. And Brian obviously knows how to play the game and kind of ideal for that role, I think, at this stage of his hockey career, a pair. I like, I like the move. <laughs> Oh, I like the fact how it uh, how it kind of manifested itself. I mean, I think Berkey is a is a great uh, great resource. I mean, I know personally, I have reached out to Berkey about some situations. He's a he's a genuine man if you're on his side, and and willing to help others. So I could see him certainly with all his connections, doing exactly what he was with the pen. Say, listen, if you want to bounce some things off me, by all means, I'll, I'll give you the straight, honest goods of what I think. And for Mario to make that suggestion, go, well, let's see what he's doing. Uh, you know, I'll believe Brian Burke, and he said numerous times in all our chats on Thursday, James, I don't think he was looking anymore. His kids are in Toronto. He's had a great run, wrote his book, had his moments. But how do you say no to the Pittsburgh Penguins when you still think there's someone there? And, you know, the greatest player we have seen in the last 15 years is still there, still putting it up. Um, you know, I, I think it came out of nowhere, and good for him. I think it's a nice fit. They, there's a lot of work to be done though in Pittsburgh, 
right? Like this isn't a team that – and Berkey's kind of said this on record. He said it to us two weeks ago when Jim Rutherford abruptly resigned and stepped down as GM. I don't – he thinks that the window is closed. So there's probably going to be some uncomfortable moves that need to be made. At some point, you will see hanging in the rafters in Pittsburgh, Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, and Sidney Crosby, right? That's a no-brainer. Three Stanley Cups for each of those guys. But mm-hmm. you have one year left for both Letang and Malkin after this year, and Malkin's at 9.5. Now, okay, can you keep them for maybe half that amount? Might work, but they might be ready to turn the page. And I, I wonder if they might be willing to turn the page sooner rather than later and see if you could kind of recoup something. The one thing that, that Berkey alluded to in the past, Jim Rutherford's been all in with this franchise for the last five years, and they got two Stanley Cups out of it. But, man, yep. he has given up pretty much every first-round draft pick that there has been. If you look at the Penguins over the last eight or nine years pair, horrible draft record, and there haven't been a lot of first-round picks to show for it because they've traded them. They've been all in with this window to try to win with Crosby and Malkin. They got the two cups in the last five years, but the cupboard is now bare with that franchise. Look at the look at the blue line. Uh, there's question marks, I think, with goaltending, and hopefully, you know, local guy Tristan Jari can certainly be the answer. But you know, I don't think that's proven to be successful just yet. They cut bait on Matt Murray, and you know, Sid is not the he's not the guy he once was. He's still a hell of a player, and Mulkin's still really good. But they're not the one-two punch that we fell in love with that dominated the league for so long. When you win a Stanley Cup like they have, eventually you pay the price. I think Berkey likes the challenge. He had to rebuild a hockey brand here in Vancouver, got the right pieces in place, set things up for Dave Nonis, which set it up for Mike Gillis and that Stanley Cup run. He gets a good team in Anaheim, makes one or two moves, and he's got himself a Stanley Cup. Now he's in another rebuild situation in Pittsburgh, much like it was in Toronto, so you know you buy yourself some time. He's not going in there, and I don't know what he'll proclaim if Ron Hexler are going to go, you know what, we're a Stanley Cup contender. They're going to figure it out what they have, and that is kind of longevity, much like we've seen with Vancouver. Who had expectations on Travis Green and Jim Benning when they came in? Okay, just try and figure this out. It's now when you go, all right, you're a playoff team. Now we expect you to do something that we're seeing so much heat on both the GM, ownership, and the coach going, all right, free ride is over. So I think Berkey will get a pass there if they indeed decide, you know what, Pittsburgh, we're we're moving on. We've got to figure out plan number two. We've had success with this group. We're going to have to make some changes. I just can't believe I haven't heard enough of his comments from when he was running the Leafs uh, with the whole Pittsburgh model my ass. They want a goddamn lottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he made mention of it yesterday because yeah. now I finally got that lottery. But you're so, exactly right. I did see that clip. Pittsburgh, what's their model? They want a lottery. They want a lottery. All right. Uh, 756, your Canucks commute is coming up next. Anthony Stewart from Hockey Night in Canada will join the discussion as the Canucks try to end a five-game slide tomorrow against the Flames. It's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. Uh, My only question is why Markstrom left. I, I don't know. To me... That changes everything. You know, when, when you let a piece go and, and you're in a locker room and you don't know why, it, it rocks you on your heels as a group a bit. And he was a, I thought he was a, a cornerstone there. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. 
It's your Canucks commute here, hour number three on this Wednesday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, so glad you could join us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda at 157 and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. And, Pear, uh, certainly a lot of people texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Uh, people saying that uh, they're finding us for the first time after, obviously, a turbulent 24 hours in our industry. And um, yesterday sucked, man. Yesterday sucked. A lot of friends, a lot of colleagues. We've certainly been down that road in years past. And it was uh, it's a gut punch then, and it certainly felt like a gut punch yesterday. And, um, yeah, I'd just like to apologize and and, and wish my best to all of our friends and colleagues that were ultimately impacted yesterday because there are guys that we've worked with both uh, directly and indirectly for a very long time. Yeah, and we talked at length about it at 6 in the morning, and I know people talked about it on this station yesterday, but it occurred after we were off the air, James, and you and I have both worked for that company. I, I was in that building for 16 years and said, you know, for the first year on this Sportsnet 650, you know, the number of times I felt bad because I said the wrong call later is going to break because I had done <laughs> so much for them. And you just yeah. think, wow. But it's a small industry. It's a wonderful job. Um, but these are guys with families, uh, friends and kids and wondering what's going on next. And to walk into a building as you have and as I have to be told to leave uh, 10 minutes later and to be told that you're, you're good and talented at your job, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it's awful. And yesterday was a long day of texting and talking right from when we finished our show and found out what happened till late last night. And uh, our thoughts to everybody out there. And it's a cool business and we're glad you listen and you like us or we suck. But uh, this is a livelihood for people and it's just awful how it was taken away yesterday. Uh, I mean, Rick Dollywell was a co-host of ours here at the station a couple of years ago, and that one sucked then a couple of years ago. Um, but I empathize for Rick. I mean, Don and I, Don Taylor and I, I mean, the incredibly talented DT, um, you know, working with Sportsnet Pacific, I was so excited, you know, coming out here eight years ago when I got back out here to the West Coast to work with Don. And, um, you know, Matt Sakaris is a fellow Bears fan and a fellow Ottawa boy originally. And, and man, I just got a, so much time for so many of those guys and, and certainly wish them all the best. And I will say this, Barrett, you can't keep a good talent down. And I think we'll hear a lot of those voices. Um, then it was, and listen, like, were they competitors? Yes. But they also pushed all of us just as I hope we push them to be at the best of their abilities, right? And and competition is good. It's good for the industry. It's good for all of us. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like our version of the Monday Night Wars. And and unfortunately, that's come to an end right now. And, and I couldn't believe how many people I got messages from. Uh, just, you know, fans of the business, fans of sports fans that just – Man, this sucks, right? And and you know whether you are a 650 guy or a 1040 guy, this was not a good day yesterday. It was an awful, awful, awful day. And um, yeah, just wanted to make sure we convey that on our end because we were literally signing off yesterday, and as we were having our show meeting, it was like, oh, there's kind of some whispers that are, and all of a sudden it was just kind of unfolding before us, parent. It was stunning. Well, Donnie and I live in the same neighborhood, and in texting yesterday, and um, we've been around for a while. Never in my life have I heard of something like what took place yesterday. Never in my life. And when you're in it for a while and you love it, you just wonder how long does the ride last? But to have it uh, have it happen like that, to lock the doors on something in this city 
where when I live and you live and we've been here for decades, you go, that's what you turn to because you want people to talk about sports and hear about them and vet and say their things. And and good on Paul Carson, who was in this area that I live in, said, here's the idea. And you go, how did it take so long to happen in Vancouver? Such a polarizing market. And uh, to have it end that way, never in a million years would I think the business would go that far. So our thoughts to everybody uh, across the street where we worked for a long time and what's taken place just over 24 hours ago. Um, it is your Canucks commute. So for, for those of you that preferred a different flavor, well, we say welcome and, and hope you'll give us a chance. And uh, this is your Canucks commute uh, every morning at 8 o'clock. Uh, we dive in for some hockey talk and conversation. The Canucks will be back on the ice later on today, Pair, uh, after getting a much-needed day off after a disastrous, disastrous five-game, uh, six-game road trip where they've now lost five straight. There, I said there'd be no math on this show, and we're finding out firsthand why. But the Canucks have just been hemorrhaging goals, uh, a better effort on Monday, but still not enough to try to right the ship. And now a critical four-game series against Jacob Markstrom, Chris Tanev, and the Calgary Flames. And the more we've kind of you know, kind of examined this team pair, it is clearly obvious that the the integrity of the makeup of this hockey club was compromised last year or last fall by taking out Markstrom and Tanev and it has completely disrupted the chemistry to where this team is now disconnected as Braden Holtby. It, it, look, I think we could rationalize the financial element of it, but where I think we've all completely overshadowed, including Jim Benning and the Canucks management side, is what it's done to this team and how it has disrupted the dynamic now because they are lost. They are lost souls out there. We played a clip from Jody Shelley, who joined us in the 6 o'clock hour, former NHLer. He's the color analyst with Columbus. You may have heard that, and he's going, I, you know, from my distance, how do you let Markstrom go? And I think that's the one thing the fan base realizes. Six and six, you had to. And, and I don't know, has this team won more games if Jacob Markstrom is in net? Maybe one or two more, but that is not the issue. You look at the schedule. It's been terrible. The sliver of hope for me, James, is, okay, here's your rest. Here's your practice. Here comes Markey and Tanif and Calgary for four in a row. You better figure it out. If you can't figure it out now, I think we see something happen almost to placate the fans, whether it's that trade, whether it's it's some kind of movement in the front office. They have a chance. The other thing that's lingering in their ugly head is COVID. You, you may not know last night they canceled the post game between the Las Vegas game because they're just going, hey, there's a COVID scare that they had. They've canceled more games last night. So now we hope there's a 56-game schedule, but what if the NHL can't get in 56 games? They've always said, here's our plan, but if they've got to drop it down to 50 games, 52, 48, they've already said they'd look at going to a winning percentage. Well, that makes matters that much worse for the Vancouver Canucks. Hey, climbing back to catch a Calgary or Winnipeg, maybe that's plausible, but when you play as many games as you had and you look at the winning percentage, that could make the job that much tougher for the Vancouver Canucks. They're going to have to go three or four against the Flames, I don't know if it's possible to, I think, just bring some hope back and some life back into this organization. And more so, belief in the dressing room that, okay, maybe we've now figured it all out. Maybe. I mean, like, there's no more time for moping, right? Whether guys didn't like it, whether guys did like it, um, the fact is there's no more time for sulking or pouting. And it was a very revealing comment from Quinn Hughes two nights ago uh, about just how, hey, look, we're still trying to figure this out with these guys gone. Brent Sopel was on the Rod Peterson show yesterday. And the former Canucks defenseman, 
occasional contributing analyst now, weighed in with his thoughts of what's happening with this team. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. DJ, do you have that? Uh, do you have that clip? Can we can we share that with uh, with? Here's here's Brent Sopel yesterday pulling no punches and taking dead aim at Jim Benning and company. I was fine with not signing Marstrom. He's in his third. I think he's 32 now. So. I was fine with that, you know, bringing Holpe in and Demko way you play, no problem at all. But you get rid of a heart and soul guy, a tandem in the back end, and everybody's up in arms on Myers. Well, Myers is now, when you get rid of a guy like that, you've got to expect more out of him. And that's like expecting me to go score goals. At the end of career, that wasn't happening. So they got rid of him, and then obviously, you know, uh, Foley. Now guys are playing out of their roles. So you got a 3-4 D-man is now playing a one-two. So now you're asking him to play three, four, five extra minutes. This is where when you don't do your job as a GM, you expect guys to do too much. And that's what's going on right now. And look what Green was doing last year. Look what they did. You don't turn off the coach in, I don't know how many months. I'm not very good at math. So, you know, from going from the bubble to three or four months, the start of the season. Yeah, you don't turn that off. So where is it coming from? You know, Jim Benning did a terrible job um, I, he, the team was trending in a great direction as a fellow, you know, that's, that's my team. They draft me, they gave me an opportunity and he let that whole, I would say he let all of Canada down. Cause all, all Canada, all, we want to see a Stanley cup come back to Canada. So there's Brent Sopel, uh, former Vancouver Canucks defenseman, uh, weighing in and just saying, Hey, this is all, this is all on management here. Let's bring in Anthony Stewart from hockey night in Canada here on this uh, Wednesday morning. Stewie big night tonight as well. And man, you got, now you're going to have to play extended minutes. Now that your teammate, Brian Burke has, has bailed to go sign with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, Hopefully you're not going to be the Tyler Myers that's going to face all the criticism of playing all you know playing out of your comfort zone here, Stewie. Yeah, I'm picking up all this uh, Berkey slack now that he's gone now. But uh, congrats to Berkey and and the one thing that I learned over the the last year that I worked with him, he's probably one of the greatest hockey minds uh, that I've ever came across, and that's coach, GM, even owner. So uh, congratulations to him. But uh, bigger workload for me now too. So I need some guys. I need I need a deep partner to come out and help me uh, weather the storm here. <laughs> Well, they could use that here in Vancouver. Uh, you know what? They stayed away from it, Stewie. But this schedule was brutal. Can they? They don't. You can't use it as a crutch as a player. But honestly, do you think they were exhausted a little bit those last couple of games in Toronto? Yeah, they were. But you, you got to. I know they probably have the worst travel schedule, probably with all the teams in the division now. But there's a lot of teams in the same boat, and we are in the middle of a pandemic, and there's you know some pandemic hockey going on, but. You know, I heard Soap's uh, former to- teammate Soap's, you know, sort of, you know, put this all on Benning, but a lot of this is, has to fall on the players. And, you know, from a, you know, studying this Canadian division now and, and paying attention to a lot of these games, a lot of this falls on the players. And a lot of guys just look like they're waiting for something to happen. It's like, well, it's bad. Let's just see how bad it can get before they make a trade or they fire somebody or make a move. But, like I mentioned before, we're in a pandemic, so there's no real help coming unless, you know, they totally tank. Uh, but the, the reality of the situation is now, you know, they got uh, four of their next games against Calgary. I think six or seven of the next eight are at home. You can get back into this. So this is on you guys to sort of pull up your socks, let the veteran leadership guys step up, really now get this team together and, 
you know, I, I was joking on Hockey Night in Canada about going to the Roxy and having a good time. You can't do that, but you've got to find a way to get together as a team and gel and get back in this because you can't feel sorry for yourselves. And, you know, watching that Leaf game the other night, you know, it's 1-1 it's one, one after 2. Vancouver, that game was a very, very winnable game, and it just seems like they were just laissez-faire and, you know, let's see what happens. So I think that the tragedy in this is that they did so well last year in the playoff bubble, um, and to go from that, you know, high-level play to this play, that's I, – I have to put down the players. I'm sorry. It, it, so it, so is, it, is this team just not skilled enough then in terms of the way that this team is built? Or, or, like, what stands out for you beyond the fact that, you know, the players just aren't getting it done? Well, you know, skill, J.T. Miller's a skilled guy. Pedersen's one of the, you know, top skilled guys in the National Hockey League. Bo Horvat's a quality player. Besser, Hoaglander's coming up and, and becoming a top guy as well. So they have the skill, but when it doesn't work, you have to compete. you got to win puck battles. you got to get pucks in, pucks out. And I've been watching a lot of these Vancouver, you know, games. You know, it's tough for them to make a 10-foot pass. They can't go D to D up the wall or D to D up the middle and break out clean. And when you can't even get out of your own zone, that's going to now – that leads to all your other problems, you know, 200 feet up the ice. So it's just, it's just frustrating because you've seen them play at a high level. You've seen the power play kick, uh, click. You've seen Elias, you know, Pedersen, you know, score that one-timer shot on the power play and just rifle it like no one's business. It just seems that they're just – you know, stuck in neutral, waiting for something to drag them out. So I know everyone's been piling on them. The hashtag Canucks fans have been coming for me as well. So I'll just leave it at that and not try to kick a horse, you know, kick a man while he's down. But they got to get it together because in this next eight games, I think it's going to dictate, hey, you're either back in the mix with this or the season's over. You don't like to with pro athletes, but can you question their effort? Yeah, you can. Yeah, but that's I think with this this with this situation I think it's more mental than anything, and uh, trust me I played on a lot of bad teams over the years as a professional and um, there's been times where the guys are like you know what let's just you know continue to go the way we're going they're going to make a trade eventually maybe they're going to make a trade maybe they're going to fire a coach and I've seen players quit because they want the coaches fired and it's happened so I, I don't know what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks I'm not in the dressing room I don't really have any personal connections to any of the players but just based on their effort level, it's like they just, they, they're, they're waiting for an answer to come that might not be coming. That's, well, the one thing that I kind of, my takeaway from Monday night's game is that they showed up to compete against the Leafs on that Monday after kind of that dog's breakfast of a performance on Saturday. I, I To me, it kind of showed the way that they played on Monday. They haven't quit on the coaches yet. Like, they haven't given up, but... You know, you got Travis is in the final year of his contract, Stewie. Elliot Friedman kind of chewed on this last night uh, with the boys on the program here on Sportsnet 650, kind of saying that, you know, I wonder if there's a trickle-down effect because Travis is in flux right now with his contractual situation. Does that play on the minds of the players saying, well, you know, you got a lame duck coach and, and guys understand the business now. I mean, do you think that plays any effect of that in the minds of the players in terms of what's happening with their coach's personal well, situation? Well, maybe a little bit, but yeah. again, just based on, you know, what he did in that bubble and winning two rounds, I think he's earned the respect and trust of, of all the players, right? So I don't think this is really on Travis Green. Um, but again, they, they are missing some key players and Markstrom and Toffoli's gone and Tanev left and say what you want, Troy Stetcher, he's one of those guys as well. Um, and they, 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 they haven't really filled a lot of those holes. But, you know, for me being a third-line or fourth-line guy, 
I loved it when guys didn't resign, or I loved it when guys weren't playing well because that was an opportunity for me. So as much as this is on the top guys, you know, these middle-of-the-ground guys got to step up. And, you know, we saw, you know, Brandon Sutter have a hat-trick a couple weeks ago. You know, these bottom-line guys, Vertan, and you want to get traded, you have to step up and prove your value, not just to this team here, but, uh, you know, you want to get out of here, you got to play well, maybe to other teams in the National Hockey League. So it's it's just frustrating because if they didn't have this success last year, I don't think the fans would really be putting that much pressure on them, but they know the quality of this team and they know uh, when they're playing at their best, they're one of the most young, exciting teams, not just in the North Division, but the whole entire National Hockey League. Some will say they've been terrible terrible against arguably two of the best teams in the NHL in Montreal and Toronto, which we see tonight. I would imagine you're working. Uh, can you take solace in that if you're a Canucks fan going, hey, you know, you might be a little bit better against the Calgary to Winnipeg, but uh, those are the two best teams that you might find in the NHL, at least top four? No, and I'm not letting you guys off the hook because I ranked the Vancouver Canucks as sixth place in this division at the beginning of the season, and everyone was up in arms and, you know, I had the, you know, my heat maps of my career saying I was brutal as a player. Who am I to judge the Vancouver Canucks? And uh, you guys had them pegged, you know, making the playoffs and making a run at that first place or second place or third place in that division. So the expectations were high from, you know, the, from the jump here. You guys saying, well, we're going to beat Montreal. We're going to compete with Toronto and we're going to compete for this top division because it's a wide open division, not really a lot of defense going on. So for, you know, 16 games in, oh, we changed the tune saying, well, Calgary's good, Toronto's good, Montreal's good. It's just one of those years. <clears throat> that's that's not going to fly in my books because you saw what they did uh, in the bubble last year, and they were supposed to build off that and, and not go the other way, but go up, not down. So, Stewie, that- Stewie, if you had them for six, what did you see prior that you just didn't like the, the, the fact they didn't re-sign a core group? Yeah, you saw Montreal last year. They were 24th, and they filled every single hole. They got a backup goalie. They got depth scoring. They added Toffoli. They added Truculence uh, in Edmonton. They, they re-signed Petrie. They, they, you know, they, they made the moves that they needed to make. But, again, I understand we're in a cap system, but to lose Markstrom, Toffoli, Tanev, Stetcher, all these guys that are key players in your team, you know, you gave up some draft picks and a couple core players, not core players, young players for Toffoli, and to lose him, and him signed for four and a half million dollars. Sorry, that's unacceptable. And just to see what Toffoli and I was on this program before saying that Toffoli is a 25, 30, 30 goal scorer. The league knows that, so that's why Montreal signed him to that deal. So to lose those holes and not really fill those holes, I think that part's unacceptable. Just to say, well, let's just see how it goes because you have to build from the momentum that you had last year, the, the experience that Patterson got and JT Miller and all these guys got, and, and Quinn Hughes. You're now supposed to springboard that into this year and, and the future of your organization. Salty Stewie this morning. Do you have anything nice to say about our city? <laughs> hey? I'm ready for the one-chip challenge. I hear you guys are doing the one-chip challenge oh over there gosh. to spice things up. Yeah. So, yeah, let me know if you need me to do Can that. Can you handle uh, spice? Are you a spice oh, yeah, guy, I'm a, Stewie? I've got a Caribbean background. I eat spice nice. Yeah, I put there, spice on my the, uh, cinnamon toast crunch. You're a Scarborough guy, are you not? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. So when I worked up at Agent Court, uh, this is speaking another language right now for all of our listeners. But there was a, there was a roadie shack right behind the old TSN studios up uh, near the 401 oh, Trans Canada Highway. Oh, there, Roti Hut. The best you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah, right? I was there. I went there like two weeks ago. And, and so I, I would go in there, and the first time I went in, somebody had told me, get the pepper sauce, get the pepper sauce on uh, on your roti. So I go in, and, and you know, here's, you know, 
bucket of a scrawny white guy walking in, and I've got my TSN suit on. And I'm like, yeah, I get, can I get the pepper sauce? And she looks at me, and she's like, you don't want the pepper sauce. And I'm like, I want the pepper sauce. She's like, you, do, you don't want the pepper sauce. It's like, I want the pepper sauce. She got, she's like, okay, all right. Kind of gave me that kind of like, uh, this kid's going to – we're going to kill this kid. You know, come back a week later, and she's like, I have a pepper sauce? Like, yeah, big smile. It was like this bond, It was like this badge of honor, this acceptance really? that I could handle the spice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stewie, you'll appreciate that, man, going into the roti hut with the pepper sauce. Oh, yeah. You now you, you, you passed the Scarborough uh, test, so now you're good to go anywhere in Scarborough. Like the weekend. Me in the weekend, buddy. Me in the weekend. Yeah. You went yeah. to high school let's with have, the weekend. Let's hope the Vancouver Canucks get... have a better weekend. How about that? How about that for a segue? Did well, you go to school at the weekend or just the same yeah, school? I didn't go with them. So myself, Wayne Simmons, Tyler Toffoli, Devontae Smith, Pelly, and the weekend all went to the same high school so wayne was there at the same time wayne simmons at the same time as as the weekend i was a little bit earlier i was three years older so i was there we all went to the same high school just not at the same time you went to school with his brother the weekday yeah the weekday yes yes. hey hey, how's that that's morning show humor right there (laughs) (laughs) he was good he was repping well on the that's because he's canadian content i thought he was okay Stewie, thanks for this, man. Nice to catch up. Thanks and, for having uh, me, guys. Go Canucks, go. You guys need some good juju over there. So go. There Canucks, you go. go. We'll Let's take go. it. We'll, Eat those we'll, flames. We'll take that and some thanks, pepper Stewie. sauce. Thanks, man. Uh, there he is, Anthony Stewart from Hockey Night in Canada, weighing in uh, with some um, some thoughts and, and you know what? Some very honest. Like you know, I, I feel like there's been, Perry, the, the landscape has changed obviously, but uh, you know, if you want to talk about the biggest failing for this team, it's been their best players, right? You know, we can talk about the roster construct, but, you know, Pedersen hasn't been elite this year. And I think there was conversation. Man, there were there were there were betting sites that were taking bets on PD winning the Hart Trophy this year. You know, does, that, that feels mm-hmm. like a sucker's bet now, right? He just has been nowhere near that conversation. JT Miller, guy who could have been the team MVP in the eyes of a lot of people last year, nowhere close to that this year. Bo Horvat just seems to be missing that fire. Quinn Hughes chasing the green jacket right now in the National Hockey League with a minus 13. You know, there's been some promise with Brock Besser's shots back, but, you know, Brock Besser can't be your best player for this team to win. He makes a very simple point that I think we get lost here in the minutia of breaking down every shift of the Canucks. You remove the success Montreal had in the playoff bubble. They look at the team and go, here's what we need to add. You take the Vancouver Canucks at the success in the playoff bubble, and it was, here's who we have to subtract. Is that on Jim Benning? Is it on the ownership? We don't know what, if any, kind of a checkbook he had to play with, and obviously the salary cap. You and I, and there's a lot of people joining us this morning for the first time, for the last four months, we're always have, make sure you keep Toffoli. Like, just make sure you keep Toffoli. Think if you have Tyler Toffoli, and no, he's not going to score at the rate he does against the Canucks. But say if you keep him and you actually see the honest effort that you got from their best forward in the last three weeks, which has been Oglander, and go, wow, there's a, look at the little rabbit we got running around on the third or fourth line. He's going to push and eventually be a top six guy. It makes a world of difference. And as Brent Sopel said and we played earlier, you got guys who are now pushed into spots that maybe they're not comfortable with. It's going to take some skill. It's going to take some adjustment. And maybe Stewie who said, hey, this is a sixth-place team. Boy, you, you hate to think he's right because we believe so much, but as they keep on playing, if they don't play well, it'll be very simple to say, hey, that bubble from the summer, it has burst on this hockey team. 
Uh, 25 minutes after 8 o'clock, uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, for those of you who uh, may not be regular listeners, we play Canucks in a song after every Canucks game. We've already got a submission in. How about this Canucks in a song? Uh, sounds of silence right now for the Canucks. Uh, yeah, they've lost five straight, but we'll play that on Friday after the Canucks game, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. 825. Uh, hey, it is the end of an era for uh, – for one of the greatest athletes that this city has ever seen. Solomon Elamimian called it a career yesterday after an absolute Hall of Fame career um, in a Canadian Football League, one of the greatest BC Lions ever. And Sully will join us to look back down memory lane next, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 831. Pound and snow in some parts of Metro Vancouver this morning. Sounds like lots out in Pitt Meadows. Pear, how about you? You getting hammered up in uh, up on the mountain? Uh no, so far so good. But it's it's chilly. Hey, a little bit of winter in February. That's not a bad thing. Maybe some hockey weather to get everybody going for these couple of days we've had before they drop the puck again. But uh, hey, a, a West Coast winter is something everybody will sign up for for the five to six days that we might have to battle. Contemplate getting snow tires. Just check out the rest of the country, everybody, and you'll feel like a winner. <laughs> we've got it. We've got it easy compared to the rest. Yeah, only two games in the NHL tonight, and uh, it's two uh, original six matchups. You got Boston and the Rangers, and then uh, the one I think most people will be excited to watch that you can catch uh, on Sportsnet tonight. Uh, it is the Toronto Maple Leafs in Montreal to take on the Canadians, the two best teams in the North Division, the two teams that have absolutely racked up points at the expense of the Vancouver Canucks. So you can check that out uh, coming up on Sportsnet four o'clock puck drop. Uh, actually, sorry, four. 30 puck drop uh, later on tonight here on uh, on Sportsnet. Um, he called it a career yesterday, and what a career it was in the Canadian Football League. Solomon Elamimian joins us here this morning. Uh, man, is this a sign that we're all just getting old? You're retired. You, I, you still feel like you're too young to call it a career. Sully, congrats, man. Uh, uh, good morning, first and foremost. Thanks for having me on uh, this morning. Yeah, it's um, uh, exciting news yesterday, and you know, I made my announcement of retiring, and you know, I'm kind of excited about the next chapter, and um, you know, it, uh, it kind of hit me yesterday with all the uh, warm wishes and and notes from fans and uh, former teammates and even uh, former competitors. So it was kind of an emotional day yesterday, uh, for sure. Yeah, and Sully, the great thing is you're such a good guy, and uh, you know, I would have imagined when you came up here, or, or I think to Vegas to try out for this team. Who would have ever thought you would think Vancouver would eventually be your home as it is post-career, and we'll get into that after. Uh, but give us your thoughts. You're, you know, you're a college football yeah. player, and you think, okay, here's a little tryout in the States. Let's see if I can impress. Were you were you determined you were going to play professional ball somewhere? Uh, yeah, I was. And I was writing my uh, my note uh, letter yesterday on, on TSN. It just brought back all those memories of, you know, my mindset and, you know, wanted to play professional sports and, you know, always had one opportunity, you know, and I always try to make the most of it. And, you know, my trial with the BC Lions back in uh, 2010 was really my last opportunity to play uh, professional sports. And like I said, in my letter, I had two workouts. The first one was in LA where I wasn't signed. Raleigh told me to come back a few weeks later, uh, which I drove from LA to Vegas and I worked out again for them. And then, you know, they signed me. 
uh, fortunately. And, you know, when I came to Canada, I found myself uh, last on the depth chart. I said fourth. Uh, Mark Washington reminded me that I was actually fifth. And, um, <laughs> you know, just you know, overcoming the odds. And, you know, I've had a blessed, uh, blessed career, uh, blessed time. What was your uh, biggest eye-opening experience about coming up to Canada for the first time, Sully? Um, it was actually in training camp in Kamloops. And I remember, um, you know, uh, after practice, um, you know, uh, going back to dorms and it's about nine or 10 o'clock and I'm like, wow, the sun is still out. And I just thought that was so weird. Um, you know, especially being from LA where, you know, the sun really sets around seven o'clock. I just thought it was, it was weird that at, at 10 o'clock, you know, the, the sun was still out. And, um, I thought that was kind of strange, but overall, I just think the people, the people, um, you know, the spirit of, of the fans, um, of the CFL and, you know, that's something that everybody that, uh, you know, comes up from the States, they see, they see how warm the people are, how friendly they are and, you know, how they really love the CFL and how, how special the CFL is uh, uh, in Canada. I'm always amazed talking to pro athletes, what they remember. And I know in your note yesterday, you talked about a preseason game, your first preseason game, your hammy wasn't well. And Wally Bono apparently had told, um, you know, the trainers that, you know, this guy better play else he's gone. Like he needs to see something. <laughs> Can you remember that preseason game where you know, man, I better impress us. Uh, so I'm going back to L.A. Yeah, you mentioned it. I was actually in the training room and I was getting some, um, uh, you know, some massage and some work on my hamstring. And I wasn't set to practice because, you know, my hamstring wasn't ready. And I remember Wally walking into the training room and I was right there, you know, on, on the training bed. And, um, you know, Wally told Bill, he said, uh, uh, tell Solomon if he doesn't uh, play this game, you know, he's going home. And I was right next to him. And you're right there. Uh, right next to him. I'm right there. He didn't look at me at all. He knew I was there. He, he looked at Billy. He said it loud enough that I could hear it. And um, he walked away. And I said, uh, Billy, I guess I better play this game. Uh, get me right. And, um, you know, he, uh, he did his magic. And I was able to, to play in that preseason game. And, um, fortunately, I, I made the team. But, you know, Wally was one of the, like I said, one of the greatest people that I've ever met. Um, somebody motivating me. Somebody meant so much to the, not just the Beast Lines, but the CFL and, you know, more of a mentor for a lot of a lot of us coming from the states to Canada, and um, you know, he had a lot to do with success in my career. Solomon Elamimian here on Sportsnet 650. You know, we're in such a a day and age of instant analysis and reaction, but you know, pretty much every article I read yesterday, you know, pretty much has the context of he leaves as one of the greatest players to play in the CFL. You know, Hall of Fame is next. Is there is there a moment that stands out? You know, obviously there's a great cup when you've you've got two you've got player of the year awards. Is there is there something that you're most proud of? Um, you know, it's it's so many. It's so many and I guess that's why, you know, you know, it gets emotional. Um, you know, I was at home with you know, my mom's uh in two thousand nine. Didn't have a job, had a college degree and in my mind I just wanted to play football and you know, when I think about my career, I think about the trials and really, you know, everything I had to overcome to make those great memories and the uh, accomplishments. And I would say, you know, just being able to always bounce back, you know, whether it was after I won Most Outstanding Player of the Year Award in 2014, I tore my Achilles in 2015. And I remember, um, you know, having surgery in my Achilles and the next day <clears throat> I'm reading the newspaper and you know, goes along the lines of, you know, players that tear their Achilles, you know, they never return back or they're never the same. And I remember just, 
you know, being a theorator, reading that on the uh, on the front page of sports section, and it drove me. And I just told myself that, you know, um, you know, everybody everybody's going to see. I'm going to come back. And that whole off season, I trained so hard, and you know, I wanted to you know prove myself. And you know, I was able to win Defense Player of the Year in 2016. Uh, that you know, those moments for you know that I think about, it, it really you know you know um, captures my career and just who I am. And, you know, that's, you know, just being fortunate to have those obstacles that push me and realizing that without those obstacles, I wouldn't be the player that I was or, you know, than I am. So it's just, you know, I would say the, the, the obstacles, you know, whether it's, you know, leaving BC, you know, not the way I wanted to leave and, you know, uh, you know, um, breaking my wrist and, you know, going to Saskatchewan, had a great, um, great time Saskatchewan. It was just a great experience. And, you know, proving something. You know, I proved that I could still play at a very high level. Um, you know, making Western All uh, Division All Star, and you know, that's what I, I think when I think of my career. It's about just overcoming because, you know, there's a lot of been there's been a lot of doubters, and it's been a lot of um, you know, things that haven't worked out. But you know, never giving up, really. Sully, I, I think when you you've been great to us and joining us on the show, and I think the last time we talked to you was it was dealing with the pandemic, and I think you were telling us, you know, you were actually losing your sofa to work out because of the situation we were in. If we weren't in this world of of COVID and and things were at least a little closer to normal, would you have made this decision, or did that push you a little bit to say, hey, I'm going to hang it up? It's been a really good run. Um, you know what? It had nothing to do with COVID. My decision I made, I really made the decision. You know, a couple months ago, I was thinking about it and, you know, really wanted to talk to my family about it and make sure that I was making the right decision because obviously, you know, I'm so family oriented that I wanted them to understand where the decision's coming from. And also, I wanted them to be comfortable, comfortable with it and also have their input. And it was a decision that I made. And I think it's more so about me as a person moving on and wanting to, you know, do other things in life, right? And, you know, I'm fortunate to say that because I never thought about anything outside of football. You know, I, you know, woke up thinking football, went to sleep thinking football. Football was everything in my life. And, you know, whether it's, you know, sacrificing uh, time with family because I wanted to train or I wanted to be the best, you know, point of my life right now, I'm just ready to do other things. And other things that I'm doing right now has me excited. You know, obviously my work with the uh, PA as the president you know, there's a lot of work there, and, you know, our goal, like I've said before, is to, you know, get our members back to work and, you know, get the CFL back on track this year. So when I look at the things that I want to do outside of football, you know, uh, I really can't half-step it. Um, I don't want to cheat the game, and, you know, if I'm not into it 100% mentally, then, you know, people aren't going to see the Solomon that they come to, to love throughout the year. So, you know, it's, it, for me, it, it was the right decision. Obviously, um, the outpouring support and you know, kind of sadness from people that I received the last couple of days, or excuse me, uh, yesterday and today is just, you know, one that, you know, kind of makes me emotional, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's life, right? You, you have to move on and you have to, you know, keep climbing and, you know, just keep progressing. What was the one message that you got um, from somebody yesterday that you kind of got caught off guard or kind of got you a little like, whoa, man, that, that, that's heavy. <laughs> Uh, just fans, you know, fans reaching out. Come on, there's got to be one. There's got to be one from somebody who's, who made you. Um, ah, I got to go through them. I got to keep going through them. But, it, you know, it was just overall, I just can't sing out one. It, it was just how much um, support from fans, whether it was kids saying Solomon. You know, I've watched uh, since Hawaii, and, 
you know what, you're one of my, you know, favorite players and favorite people and you just inspire me. Things like that really get to me because, you know, sometimes when we play football, you know, we're so, you know, stuck in a, in a bubble of, okay, I just play football, but not really know, uh, knowing how many people you impact, you know, whether it's me overcoming different adversities and, you know, being a part of the Vancouver community and speaking to kids about, you know, the choices they make and overcoming obstacles and, you know, saying no to drugs, things you know, that we do as CFL players outside of football, you know, heavy in the communities. And when those uh, players, when those, excuse me, people reach out to you, it means a lot, right? And I think overall just, you know, was overwhelmed by, like I said, the uh, the support. What's next for you, my friend? <clears throat> uh, well, um, you know, as you, as you guys know, like I said, I'm, I'm president of the uh, CFLPA, and it's a way that I can help and get back and, you know, just really advocate and, and be there for our, our our, our members and you know like I said our goal is to get back on the football field and to get the CFL uh, back going um, not playing last year really real, uh, really you know made us realize how important the CFL is to so many people across Canada and it's going to be imperative that you know we do all we can to get our members and you know our fans you know back to watching the game that we all love so that's one thing I'm focused on obviously um, uh, I'm also uh, finishing up my Canadian securities course so I'll be looking into going into the capital markets here in Vancouver. I met a lot of, you know, great, um, you know, people in, in the space, um, you know, um, a lot of relationships there. So that's something that I'll, I'll be uh, looking to get into as well. Wow. Uh, well, listen, congratulations uh, on a, what a career, man. And, and thank you so much for just being amazing even off the field as well, dealing with both Perry and I, I know certainly always enjoyed our conversations and I, and I would just say this, I mean, you know, February is Black History Month, and, man, what an inspirational story you are, Sully. You've shared your story many times. I've always enjoyed the discussions, but as a young kid coming out of South Central Los Angeles, you know, you beat the odds, man. You go to Hawaii, you wind up in Vancouver playing playing football in unconventional places for a lot of Americans, and I think you've made a pretty good living, and now you're a leader of men as the president of the CFLPA, man. It's a remarkable story, and, uh, and thanks for sharing it with us all so many times. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, Perry James, you guys be well. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk soon. Yes. Stay Thanks, Sally. Okay, cheers. There you go. One of the greatest BC Lions ever, one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the Canadian Football League, and just one of the greatest players in the CFL that we've seen uh, ever, uh, Solomon Elliman. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? You you, you want our city um, – you want positivity in our city and positive contributors to the community – uh, we see that from a hockey perspective with the Sedins, how they decided this will be home for them, and what a win for the BC Lions football fans, and and just for Vancouver that Sully has said this is home now, and uh, he'll do a great job with the PA, and he'll be great at you know he's going into securities. Uh, there's a guy who's just always been straight up and honest, and uh, every bit of success to him on the field, and I hope that carries on to his his second career. All right, uh, it is 14 minutes to 9 o'clock. The Scott Rinchel Show is coming your way at the top of the hour. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to Scotty next here on your home Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650. If you think you're in your window, your philosophy is add assets and, and trade futures. We'll trade draft picks. We'll trade kids. We're trying to win, and that's admirable. But if you're not in your window, it should be, what's the maximum I can get for an Evgeny Malkin? This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There's Brian Burke a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago talking about cutting bait 
on Gino Malkin. And some uh, tough decisions to be made, I think, in Pittsburgh. And some good news, Pear. We'll get Brian for one more visit here on the starting lineup tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Brian Burke, who joins us each and every Thursday morning. And we'll get one more before he rides off across the border into America to take over as the president of hockey operations at the Pittsburgh. Uh, we've got a special relationship. Uh, do you think he pulls the Gretzka? I promise Mess I wouldn't do this. Uh, I promise Sportsnet I wouldn't do this. He could care less to talk to us, but that's nice that he is. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I'll say this, though. Like, Brian has been Brian has been good for my career from a broadcast standpoint. When I first moved here in 2000, Brian ran the Canucks, and I was working for the score at the time. We were kind of the little engine that could in terms of the, the, the major sports networks in this country with, you know, Sportsnet and TSN and you know, Brian always had time for me. He returned my calls. He, you know, whenever I had an interview request, he was good on uh, on delivering. And, you know, and he moved the meter as, as a voice, right, and as a personality. And so it certainly helped me and benefited me um, and, and always treated me with respect. I, I got a lot of time for Brian and, and I've known him for, what, over 20 years and, and certainly appreciate it all the time. So one more time with Berkey tomorrow. Yeah, you know, uh, when I was part of the Canucks broadcast crew, it was Shorty's first year, and they had a big announcement in the Bell building. And, and uh, you know, we walked down the staircase. Here's who's going to do it, Wally, Shorty, Perry. And, and, you know, I had just moved, you know, some 24 years ago from Edmonton. And, you know, Berkey gets up to the mic, and he starts firing, man. He just started ripping into me and ripping into everybody. And, and I was fortunate to travel with the team for those years. And, you know, you hit the gym or the treadmill early and Berkey's there. And, you know, I remember a, a night in Detroit and he's got a buddy in there just in the beer telling in the bar telling stories. And I'm walking by his pair, come here. And, and he's been great. We joke with Berkey, but I tell you what, if, if you've got his ear, uh, he's there to help and, and good for him. I don't think he was planning this, but just Berkey talking and to get a position to get back into the league. It'll, it'll be fun to talk to him uh, one more time tomorrow. We got to get out of here. Uh, top two teams in the North Division, the Gord Downey Division tonight. Pair go at it, and it's uh, the Leafs and the Habs. Uh, I'm going to lean. I'm going to go with what Eddie was suggesting. I'm going to lean with the Habs. That's been my choice to win the North, so I'll stick with my pick. I'll take the Habs tonight. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll go with Carey Price. Uh, I'm a Montreal Canadian fan, and I've never said that. I like what they've done. Always like Brendan Gallagher. Hey. Bergman took the chances, loaded up. Let's see if they can stick it to the Leafs, and maybe that's because of what we witnessed on the past weekend. Talk to you tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. The Scott Rintoul Show is next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.